All right, Rocky is not ready yet, but that's okay. What kind of pizza are we eating tonight, gentlemen? Pep. Pep. Wait, wait, we're recording on this computer. The three little dots right here, yes? On Zoom as well as... Yes, I I am recording on Zoom. I am recording on Zoom. I am now recording also... Wait, please request host to record. What? Yeah, I can... No, you don't need to record. I will just record the Zoom call. Let's not make this okay, cool. complicated. Sounds good. I'm Hello, testing one, two. Hi, Rocky. Hey, Rocky. I can record now. Hi. This is all great. Right. This is all going in right before the start of the show. <laughs> yeah, this I is am recording on my end. I just hit record on my Zoom. Okay. Shit, really? Okay. Do I record yeah. now? Nope. We're going to wait like for my countdown. Room. I feel like a fucking six-year-old. I feel all like right. I'm going to clap now. Here I go. Yeah. <laughs> Three, two, one, record. On one or like the beat between one and record. So, <coughs> sorry, Noah. Are you pissed? Let Mason do his thing. I started recording like 15 seconds. I may not always love Stu, <laughs> but long as it's there on Hulu, I'll always get to see it. Sometime soon I might stream it. But God only knows when I'll get through my list. Because I'm on Seinfeld season three. And I still need to watch Palm Springs. And then there's HBO and Netflix. And what I'm trying to say is this. Family Guy's gonna stay on. Okay. Did you guys write that? Yes. Did Did you not? Jake, you were supposed to get an email. (laughs) You didn't write your own portion. (laughs) Yeah. All right, everyone, go in. Three, two, one on your part. (laughs) God only knows how I feel about Stu. Mason, that was uh, terrible. (laughs) 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 But awesome. That's what I had cooking for the Love and Mercy episode, and I let it sit until uh, we could get a veritable beach, beach boy lineup here we do have the mike I mean, love of the us. podcast we have the carl wilson of oh, the podcast. oh god i hope i'm not oh, the mike who's love. the mike who's the mike love <laughs> of the podcast <laughs> i think you... yes. <laughs> that makes so much sense i'd like to be the one that's friends with charles manson i want to be that member oh, of the podcast oh, you would be, like, you guys, guys come on he's really cool well <laughs> movie yeah, that movie is so sad we talked about that on our episode have you seen that episode mystery guest who has not been named yet uh Remind me the name of the movie? Uh, Tulane Blacktop. Oh, I love that movie, oh, but I yeah. have not seen the episode. Doesn't, listen to the episode. Doesn't James 
You look like James Taylor. Thank you, Rocky. Thank you for noticing that, Rocky. It was a big topic of conversation in college. Okay, so we're listening to It's on the List, a podcast about underrated movies and music. I'm, as always, your host, Noah, and I am here with uh, with Double M, with Eminem, with Mason. Yeah, it's me. It's me, Mason, the, I guess, the, uh, the Al Jardine of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, don't say yourself short. You are definitely a, the Carl Wilson Wait a minute. of the if you're, I want to be the Van Dyke Park. Yeah, if you're <laughs> Al Jardine and you're Mike Love, there's no Brian Wilson that's been established yet. No, there is no Brian Wilson of this podcast. That's kind of smart, uh, Because that would require one of us to be a genius. Uh, <laughs> and to lose our mind a little but bit. But if we're a being honest, bit, the bit. genius of the show is when we uh, come together. That is the Brian Wilson of the show. Yes. Is us Damn. coming together. We, yeah. When you combine Al Jardine and uh, Mike love yeah definitely definitely i this is awful i this is already off to uh, this is this is a this is a great idea we had getting everybody together getting all the beach boys together uh under one (coughs) roof to talk about uh noah this week no album but we do have a fun fucking little situation happening we got uh former guests and all friends of the show uh, you know them, you love them. Uh, two of them are holding up their sprites. We got Chris Chalakian. I'm one of Dennis the ones Wilson with the Dennis of the podcast. <laughs> we got, uh, we got Jake Ellenbogen on the pod. Also, the uh, maybe he's... My name is actually Cool Refreshing Taste of Sprite presents Jake Ellenbogen. From the twisted so mind cool of the Cool Refreshing Taste, taste of Sprite. <laughs> and we also have is Rocky Potter. the Joker of yes. sodas? Hi, guys. Yes, the Thank you for Sprite that, is the Joker of, of uh Drake sodas. literally explodes why. when he drinks Sprite. Do you remember that? He literally like <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. that. Yeah, was pretty yeah, scary. That's the Joker yeah. of sodas. I saw a great tweet that was just like Drake improvised that moment. He just walked into sodas. <laughs> <laughs> he just phased into a robotic yeah, yeah, this great. really does Good. bring me back to the days of recording inside of Mason's apartment of just oh, pure yeah. unadulterated oh, chaos yeah. of just me screaming at Thomas because he <laughs> because he's wearing the worst shoes I've ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> just getting really Jake upset. Jake unfortunately never had that experience. And and you know, it's it's it is a shame that he never got to experience the sweat watch. <laughs> yeah, why don't you uh, bring it up the lovely apartment? When I went, I wandered into the other the neighbor's <laughs> apartment complex you, and yeah. watched <laughs> play soccer for five minutes until I realized I wasn't in the right place. Well that was on your to do list, right? You checked that off and you're like, all right, now I can go into mason yeah yeah be a weird guy (laughs) check Check on the well we have a very particular kind of episode here this is actually i don't know if this is our longest gestating idea uh mason i don't know if that is fair to say but it has been gestating for a long time uh when Mm -hmm. i was talking to jake and we were talking about this movie called three ninjas which i had never heard of and i was like oh might be a good thing to bring on the pod and then i was like well, what if, <laughs> what if we got the Avengers, the Beach Boys together, and we all took a stab at some kids' movies? So we're talking about weird, obscure, uh, underrated kids' movies today on the pod, and we have assembled the A-team uh, that we could have assembled with the budget that we had. So here we are. Glad to be here on a discount. Yeah, it's great, man. Thanks. Thanks for being here. I have some questions uh, for you all before we actually jump into actually talking about the movies themselves. Uh, This might be, I'm going to get them out of the way quick because I know we have a lot to talk about with these three movies. Um, But kids movies are kind of this weird 
nebulous genre, I feel like, because they, like, apply so specifically to, like, such a direct group of kids, like, direct, literally a group of kids, like, a small group of people um, who can't really go to the movies by themselves. Like, they have to be attended with, like, a yeah. guardian of yeah. some kind. And so I'm curious from to hear from you guys, what do you think actually makes, like, a legit good kids movie? Like... There's obviously examples of, like, bad shit out there. And so uh, when you're, like, 25 and you're sitting in your house unemployed and you're like, oh, wow, that actually looks like a good kids movie. I want to go see that. What What do you think actually makes a, a good, good kids movie? Um, um, start with whoever wants to go And there's no answer. Uh, I feel like there's a big difference between, like, I think some of these would – at least two-thirds of these movies we're going to talk about today. Actually, maybe just one of them I could see being labeled also as, like, a family movie. Sure. Um, and there's a big difference between yes. a family and a kid movie. I think that, uh, like, almost ironically, I feel like the family movies are... Movies that are labeled as family movies or fun for the whole family are usually, like, universally loathed by everybody in the family. That's a good point. And stuff that's, like, kids' movies... I think they're really effective when um, there's, like, a central, like, kid character and point of view, and it just sort of, like, uh, or, like, a, a naive, like, the, the one that's coming to mind for, like, a kid's movie that, like, has extreme, like, kind of cross appeal is, like, the Paddington movies. Like, that's a sure. movie about a stuffed bear. It's based off, like, a children's series of books, but everybody can watch a Paddington or a Paddington 2 and like it, even though it's like, you know, Paddington is, I think, kind of coded as a child. Even. Sure. So there's like a child, like a childlike character at the center. Um, but it doesn't like, it's not, there's nothing condescending about a Paddington as there is, as like a three stooges movie or something, which is like, Oh, this is fun for the whole family or whatever. Uh, that's just my immediate thought of, anybody else's yeah i mean i will also say the three stooges movie that came out a couple years ago was pretty good and i agree with that (laughs) Um, the i would not you're not i would go i would just say like for me like paddington's an example it's just like it's a very good movie and i feel like with the looney tunes cartoons the reason those are timeless is because they're just like very good children's movies tend to you know obviously there's no like adult themes and then they tend to either focus on kids or like non-humans and I think, like, if you have those two elements and then you're also just, like, a good movie, the jokes are funny to adults, too, in addition to being funny to kids. Like, it's clever stuff. It, SpongeBob's a great example where oh, it's, like... 100%. Absolutely. It's very clever. Yeah. It's, like, you know, parents can watch it and they're, like, oh, that's funny, you know? Like, even if it's not, like, oh, I want to watch more of this sponge, they're, like, well, that joke was funny. So I think it's just, like, being a good movie and then playing into, like, what your audience wants, which is usually kids are, like dolls yeah there is something to say about the quality of a successful movie that reaches all audiences um being kind of like uh very not basic but it is just so primally a solid movie like I, i'm thinking about like the, the Ardman movies like the people who make sure. waltz and gromit oh sure they make these re- like these really solid family films that are adventurous they're animated so like they're kind of flashier for children to watch but the humor is totally just traditional screwball uh, from a British sense, so kind of you know it can appeal to everybody who watches it, or even like the Leica movies, which are again about children and put like the audience in the shoes of a child who is struggling with the idea of not having enough power in their life, or you know like whatever goes on in a child's mind or life and whatnot. 
but um, the, the, the art behind it, kind of like a Pixar movie, I guess, too, is such that it has the kind of wisdom or perspective that an adult might have. Like, you know, anyone, obviously mm. these movies are made by adults, so they're kind of giving this weird, like, reversed perspective of uh, how, to, how to draw childhood and the woes of it. Uh, as it were. And also, I will say that my movie that I picked, though it's not a, a children's movie or necessarily a family movie, it does kind of scratch the itch of a film that you see when you're pretty young and um, is not necessarily for you, but it does kind of give you a glimpse into kind of like your older brother's room, <laughs> that kind of sensation. Interesting. That's a good like way to the, put it. Wow, I can't yeah. wait to talk about that. Uh, yeah. Jake, do you have any thoughts about the whole kids movie classification yeah i mean i pretty much agree with everybody's take i will say like one specific genre of kids movie that i think um my my pick three ninjas is really emblematic of and one that i and a a sort of a type of kids movie that didn't really come out i feel like until maybe the 90s or maybe i just don't know any examples before then but like this kid (laughs) power movement which i think is very very specifically kid centric where like family movies like you said appeal to the whole family but there is this perspective of movies that i think mainly started to come out in the 90s and early 2000s of like a kid like revolution like fuck the parents fuck the (laughs) grown-ups like like an up like an identity built around like kids can do things on their own and like it like it making adults an antagonist as opposed to movies that you know were about kids but were not like kids as an I childhood as an identity, it's just like you happen to be a kid, but that doesn't that's not necessarily the identity of the character. And I feel like that sort of evolved into in our childhood, that theme became There's a lot more childhood. Childhood. Yeah, Nickelodeon yeah. literally sorry. Uh, Nickelodeon literally based their like nineties branding off of the idea of children like taking control of their lives and their contents and whatnot. So you're definitely on to something. I think that just that whole, like, I think a lot of what, I mean, I pretty much am in agreement with everything that's being said. I always think about, like, a good kid, I use the term kids movie, but I guess I really meant more, like, family movie or, like, movies aimed at, like, a younger demographic is just that, like, they're not movies that, like, pander to kids, I guess. When I would just remember being a kid Mm -hmm. and thinking, like, man, I like the fact that a movie that you know, I almost picked, even though Mason and I don't have movies in here, like James and the Giant Peach. It doesn't pander to kids. It deals with adult themes in a way that a child can understand because I think kids oftentimes do sure. want to explore yeah. darker themes. They just but don't I think have... my movie kind of touches on that, what you're saying. My movie's sort of like about... Sure. Yeah. It's like made for eight-year-olds to like imagine being 18 years old, you know? It's like this sure. weird... Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, uh, speaking of uh, being uh, that age and watching those movies, uh, a lot of the times... When you're a kid, especially when you're a really little kid, you can just put things on and just watch them like two, three, four times in a row. Yeah, TV's a good babysitter. Like, and especially when we were growing up, it was like definitely like kind of the VHS was one of my favorite toys, honestly. When I was a kid, and I'm sure I speak for basically everybody in this yeah 100 right now. I've broken many a VHS tape by rewinding it too much, and uh, all like. Orange County, I saw a lot on TV, but Extremely Goofy Movie and Three Ninjas were ones that I would repeat multiple times for sure. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. watching uh, Elmo in Grouchland a lot. Did anyone, has anyone got any, <laughs> you know, hands in the air for Elmo in Grouchland? Oh, my that. God. 
on the Criterion. Yeah, channel. the, cri- the cri- <laughs> Elmo goes. Elmo goes to the Criterion closet. Um, is that the one where he loses? <laughs> is that the one where Elmo loses his blankie? It is the one where Elmo loses his blankie, uh-huh. and Mandy Patinkin yeah. is the co-star of the film. And he goes, Hell like, yeah. all around uh, Grouchland with Elmo trying to get his blankie back. Dude, kids' movies can get away with some fucked shit. That's all I'm going to say. Like, yeah. damn. <laughs> like, holy shit. Has anyone else got anything maybe that we haven't talked about or isn't had been talked about on the yeah, show that so they've watched, like, I had, a million uh, times? Yeah, I had suggested, and I'm kind of glad that Noah and I nixed our ideas and nixed having a movie on. Because, one, talking about five movies would get really fucking exhausting. Yeah. Uh, and, two... <laughs> Uh, I suggested initially I wanted my movie to be Stephen Sommers' Van Helsing. Because I watched that movie a lot on DVD. I had a bunch of toys, listened to the soundtrack a lot. And then when we had sort of solidified this, I remembered that, wait a minute, there was a VHS that I watched and rewatched all the time. uh, And that was Wild Wild West. And that would have been my... (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I was Ben in Black. Uh, God, yeah. See, I didn't have good taste. I didn't have a like a Men in Black tape for whatever reason. Yeah, you but still I did don't have, have good taste. But the keep wild going. Wild... <laughs> Dude, what? Damn, Ethered. Wow. Roasting right this hard so soon? Yeah. We're, go- we're uh... going in, baby. <laughs> yeah, but that's also like I don't know why I was obsessed with it. Maybe I just thought the giant spider was cool and Will Smith was funny. But that's not a good Rocky. Cool. What's the story with the giant spider again? It's like a producer yeah. was trying for years. Yeah, John Peters was trying to pitch to Kevin Smith to make a, uh, a Superman movie, and he kept on saying, "You got to put a big fucking spider in it." <laughs> and like after like after after six months of development, where he kept on pushing the spider because he says spiders are the most uh, are, the, are the fiercest killers in the animal kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Um, the the movie stops existing, and then he moves on to another project, which was Wild Wild West. Kevin Smith goes to see it in theaters, and there's a huge fucking spider in it, and he got he got a spider. So uh, I am reading jo- the the book about John Peters right now, uh, Hit and Run, and yeah. uh, an important thing to uh, important bit of context for uh, that for John Peters is he was Barbara Streisand's hairdresser and uh, ex-girlfriend almost single-handedly got together the Barbara Streisand Chris Christopherson star is born as a vanity project to their love. Uh, he's also functionally illiterate. Uh, that hey, is another thing oh, that is important to remember. Yes, that about, is true, yeah. About John he, has people, <laughs> he has people read to him. I remember That's hearing that. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. God, I want to get to a level uh, where people he's are a reading cool guy. We should... Hey, we real quick, a, uh, get on the pile. real quick, you know who else was married to Barbara Streisand? <laughs> who? Elliot Gould. Yes! Nice! All right, go off, it. King, baby. Has Elliot Gould been in a kids movie? Uh, like unostensibly oh, kids movie. Have. Well, actually, he must when, have been. Yeah. When I was a kid, uh, a big DVD that floated around like my extended family was Ocean's Eleven. So Elliot Gould. Same. Dad, yeah. That's, that's, that's a kid's, yeah. Ocean's Eleven is basically a kids movie. It counts in the same way that Orange County counts for me. But also, I can imagine Elliot Gould being one of the toys in Toy Story oh. with like Wallace oh, Shawn. Sure. And stuff oh, like that. he probably was. He, I, that would make sense if he popped up. He'd be like an action figure. He'd be like a cool ass action figure with like like yeah. super spy goggles or something, but he would also be like just taking drags of a cigarette at the same time. All right, it's almost Damn. twenty minutes into this podcast. So we're gonna talk about some. I have movies. one more question that I want to ask the folks. He was in a Muppets right, movie. Right. He was in a Muppets movie. Yes, of course, that makes sense. He was that in makes two sense. Muppets movies. Which ones? Damn. Oh shit! He was in the Muppet movie. Nice. And then he was in. Uh-huh. Uh, let me see here. The Muppet the Muppets movie. Take Manhattan. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, 
Both of those are good ones. There's no, uh, there's a couple bad Muppets movies, but we don't, we really don't have yeah. time to talk about that. But um, I, I am not. curious. Uh, a lot of the times, uh, you realize the kind uh, who you're attracted to. Like you get a crush when you're watching some of these like movies or whatever. A lot of people tend to have their like sexual awakenings, quote unquote. And I'm just curious if anyone has any notable Are you really going to ask us who our first hentai crush was? Pretty much. I mean, I got a, I got a one that I wanted <laughs> to talk about, and that's why I wanted to open up the floor to the to the, to the the audience here. Um, anyone willing to, willing yeah, to break well, the ice? I'll also say, like, the VHSs I would watch on repeat, because sure. I, uh, at my grandparents' house, they we had a TV in the bedroom my brother and I shared and there was no cable or anything, but there was a VHS player and there was all these like VHSs that were for grownups in our mind that we like didn't even go near. And I don't remember what those were in hindsight. I think one of them was like an Anthony Hopkins movie where it's like, he's talking to some kid. I don't know. Anyway, we never watched any of them. The only <laughs> ones we would ever watch were, uh, Grease, Bye Bye Birdie, Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and the Digimon movie. Oh, hell yeah. And those four. Yes, nice. sure. Good, good selection you got So there. my sexual awakening was Anne Margaret in Bye Bye Birdie. Nice. Oh, boy. Bye Bye Birdie. And then, like, oh, also, boy. like, a soft Donny Osmond and Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. But, like, primarily, it was Anne Margaret <laughs> in Bye Bye Birdie. That's the classic. At least you yeah. know that. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool to hear. Rocky, Jake, you willing to break the ice on that one? I guess Linda Florentino uh, and me. oh go ahead go ahead Jake <laughs> no, no, no. go ahead Rocky please oh no no it's a, uh, no I guess uh, the uh, Linda Florentino from Men in Black I guess I'm looking through my favorite movies uh, list on Letterboxd trying to remember other movies I watched as a kid that might have awoken something yeah, right. in me. <laughs> yeah Rocky's all watching movies that are for like 13 year old dudes who like I've just figured yeah, out I me. mean like my my pitch for this because like I. And Noah said that it was too mainstream or something. Was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Yeah, that's too mainstream. Like that's a movie. Okay, that's for total normies. Yeah, exactly. Normie take. What is the most? Yeah, I don't know. I just like not even normie. I don't want to say I hate that word. But what is the most like generic children's movie? Fuck. It's probably a Disney movie, right? Toy Story. Like Toy Story. Probably Toy, Toy Story, Story or yeah, like uh, like Snow White or something. I don't know. That feel like if sure. you were, if you today in 2020 were like my favorite kids movie Snow White. I feel like you'd be a pretty lone crowd. Like, I, I mean, there's a lot of people throwing that around. <laughs> I feel like most people have seen it though. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you're a kid, you know, like most people are like Snow White, Dumbo, Cinderella, like that kind yeah. of shit. Yeah, Lion, Lion King, King is a big one. Um, I had a crush on Pocahontas. Nice. Hell yes, bro. Um. <laughs> anyway, for me, it was the tomboy character from yes. uh, Keeper by the Dozen, played by Allison awesome. Stoner. Hell yeah. Uh, for me, Jessica Rabbit, big time, watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit, just being like, yes, chef. Sure. Like, holy crap. Uh, to uh, segue, King, one of mine was uh, the Roxanne character. Was her name Roxanne from an extremely goofy movie? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was re- goofy movie it. one. That's the first Wait, one, yeah. Yeah, that's goofy movie. Which I will say, I watched a goofy movie for the first time for the sake of this Same. podcast, even though we weren't talking about that one. Um, that that movie's great. Yes. That, that's, a, that's a good, that's a real good it movie. It is a real good yeah, movie. Yeah, it was. 
it was either her or it was the like cool beatnik girlfriend from an extremely goofy movie. Like I was, oh yeah, of she was so, watching it for the pod. And she I was, was like, so. Oh like, wait a minute! <laughs> even at a young age, I was sexually intimidated by her. Where I was just like, I could never. <laughs> sure. I was, yeah, I'm sexually right, intimidated yeah, exactly. by her right now. I'm like, holy shit! What are you doing? It's too cool. So can we talk about the fucking movies? Let's do All it. Right. Let's do it. No. All right. Let's get into this. So. First movie we're going to talk about Rocky's selection, which is the 2002 teen question mark comedy Orange County, directed yeah. by the one and only Jake Kasdan, Rocky, son of Lawrence. Son of Lawrence. Oh, that explains more because I was like, this is a movie. You didn't get that. Like, really this is you a didn't get that. that it's just two. That it's Come just on. like someone's kid and then all of that guy's friends coming together. <laughs> to just like, give my son a yeah. good movie, please. Yeah, I'm trying to set my son up with a play date by directing a movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Rocky, can you talk a little bit about your uh, your relationship with this film and uh, what it was like watching it as a kid versus like what it's watching now, like versus what it is like watching it now? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like a super pg-13 comedy so there's like there's like a little sex in it it was kind of one of those like comedy central at 2 p.m on a saturday oh, yes. movies i guess Big that would come on a lot you know uh i also think i saw it in theaters with my with my family i think if i remember correctly i don't know how'd you um, talk them into that yeah. how'd you manage that for into you really got me in fact i'm probably that's, that's that's probably not the case but yeah i don't know this is a movie i watched a lot as a kid and it kind of inspired <laughs> a lot of my like comedic cadence i guess like i just uh, liked how the the comedic characters in the movie talked and kind of went like like the rat-a-tat between the two stoner friends that he has and um jack black in particular it is kind of the first big jack black uh presence other than high fidelity and mm. then like right after this him and mike white make fucking school yeah. of rock and then everyone like literally yeah. everybody knows who jack black is because of that but uh, yeah, this was just a movie I watched over and over again as a kid for, for some reason or another. And I mean, watching it back recently, um, I was still pretty tickled by very little details in this movie. Um, I also kind of noticed as I grew up and returned to this movie here and there that um, I am from Orange County and a lot of this shit is like pretty accurate. Like my favorite detail in the film is the really shitty portrait of Jack Black and Colin Hanks in their yeah. living room. I'm so glad you brought like, that up. That I was, love the that. The hardest I laughed in this movie was that. Reveal. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's accurate. Like like that is kind of like a good core of the shitty kind of people who live in Orange <laughs> County. They're like really lazy pride, and like this just kind of like need to be rich and having actual no like I don't know like semblance of real love for living or anything like that. They just like being rich and it's, it's yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it kind of was relatable as I grew up as well, but uh, it's just a goofy like high school comedy. And uh, I think as a kid, like the fact that it was for older audiences might've appealed to me as well. Cause I liked watching like adult swim and stuff like that too. When I was a kid, Chris and uh, Jake, had you guys come across this movie uh, at all prior to this podcast? We'll start with you, Jake. Uh, I had not. I think. Well, I don't. I don't want to speak for Chris, but this is. Uh, we watched it together the other night, and it was the first time I had seen it. Um, and I guess like my my first and most like uh, visceral take was just like, wow, there's so much talent. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and so yeah. underutilized. <laughs> so so like like it's shocking who's in this movie and for how long like if you if you if you just put every actor in this movie on a list but didn't reveal how much yeah. screen time they got nobody would be able to guess <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, good, good game um uh, but it 
Uh, so that was striking to me. But it is like, it felt like very much of that genre of like the teen, like coming of age story. I think something that kind of united all of these movies was a like a relationship that needed to be repaired with a father figure. Which I <laughs> That's true. Was sort of interesting. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. But, but through three completely disparate <laughs> means, like three of the like most uh, different journeys to get there. Um, and this was an interesting one. I thought it was like uh, the other like sort of main takeaway or not takeaway I got from this movie, but take that I had on this movie was like it, it had such low stakes. But the way that they were able to draw that out was really Absolutely. impressive. Yeah. I guess, of just like yeah, it... a problem, like a core conflict that was felt to me so immediately remediable <laughs> and the way that they were able to just like continually like stretch out the, these problems was like almost impressive in how like you know how, how things uh, go wrong. how they like yeah how things like are really wild able to go wrong <laughs> just like the the, ske- the schemes are, are really ridiculous and they all fall apart in the most ridiculous ways too and it just gets like more and more complicated or whatever how about you chris yeah first impressions was the first time you'd seen it or what no so this wasn't the first time i'd seen it because it's funny that rocky says uh this is like an older brother movie this is a movie my older brother would be watching on tv sometimes and i would like come into the room but i don't think i'd ever seen it beginning to end certainly i hadn't seen it in like over a decade um and yeah my it's so funny to like it really points to how poisoned my brain has become by the film industry that like when i watched this as a kid i was just like oh look at these two guys in orange county or whatever now watching this i was just like all right how'd they get kevin klein for this scene and then if chevy chase is in that one scene they must have called somebody to do this and this is colin hanks so it's tom hanks kid and all right i'm just like it's just it was totally it felt like you know we went to a, a prestigious film institution and we would sometimes have people yes. we we went to school with who like randomly could get a famous person in their movie sure and then you would just be watching this like college film with like an actor in it and it felt kind of like that i was so shocked to see the budget of this movie was 19 million dollars because there's scenes holy there's a scene when um (laughs) i guess so yeah when lily tomlin when lily tomlin gets caught uh yeah fucking up his transcript where every time they cut back to Colin Hanks, he's in a different part of the room. Like, he's just not standing in the same right. part of the room anymore. Yeah. And there's just, like... And there is something charming about the amateurish part of it, too, is what I'll say. But then the whole time, I'm just, like... Now, learning especially that it's uh, Jake Kasdan, it makes total sense. I, I, like, want to see the version of this that, like, isn't only visible to us because like they got Kevin Klein and Chevy Chase and all, you know what I mean? And Lily Tomlin and everyone to fill sure. the cast. Cause I feel like it felt very real. The like commentary on orange County. It did feel very like to Rocky's point. Like I have met somebody who lives in that house. You oh, know? 100%. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I mean like I, the most un- like shocking and kind of, the cameo that took me out of the movie the most was like the one scene Chevy Chase. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucking ridiculous. They definitely got him. They, yeah. they definitely only had him for like half a day. But like to like the point about the kind of like surreality of Orange County, I think it makes sense that like Lily Tom like it, Lily Tomlin is is one of my favorite performances in the movie, um, and probably also something they only had for like a day or two. But, like, just by mm. virtue of having Lily Tomlin play the character in that movie, you as the audience member are like, oh, I'm bringing everything I 
love about Lily Tomlin into this character, and that's doing most of the back, like the. the it is work. a weird magic trick in that sense, and that's yeah, especially like... with Kevin Klein, where they spend so much time like keeping you yeah. like, um, like removed from who this this mysterious writer character is, and then it tur- he turns around and it's like Kevin Klein, who's one of the most dashing and oh, totally. handsome, and and just like filled with the most gravitas of any actor, especially in like this time. Sounds like, like you have a big so like crush on Kevin Klein. The way you're talking about him, I I want him to. I want to sit in a wood paneled <laughs> room and drink some dark liquor with Kevin Klein okay. and have him tell me that my work is meaningful. Wow, okay, uh, very that's cool. all I want from Kevin Klein. <laughs> it really just yeah. I, uh, I, I I'm sorry, Rocky. Go. For I'm it. curious. Like, I'm just thinking about, yeah, like, literally, you go into any scene in this movie, and you got a cameo, or you got, you know, one of the main characters who is a pretty noted actor, like John Lithgow or fucking Catherine Hara. Mm-hmm. But, like, as a kid, I'm thinking, like, as a child who doesn't know much about Hollywood right. lore or most of these actors and whatnot, it's funny that these these actors are filling their roles pretty heartily. Yeah. I mean, the only ones you could really, like, yeah. qualify them for that is Lily Tomlin, who uses her comedic, you know, like... Uh, skills and presence very well as this like really bizarre character of bureaucratic uh incompetence or whatever you think she had a better um, or worse time making this than i heart huckabees much better or i heart huckabees geez <laughs> 30 minutes she was on set for orange county or the yeah like the four weeks she was on well, we talked about it on the huckabees episode she likes david o russell still she still is like this yeah, guy is like, yeah. that's weird still. it's like you gotta be kidding yeah. me lily like this guy literally didn't he literally call her a cunt like straight up yeah, you, yeah, it's on YouTube. We can all you, see it's, it. It's on YouTube. Watch the video for yourself, yeah. folks. <laughs> it's awesome. But but my point is that like you know like casting like Gary Marshall for his role or anybody else. Oh fuck! Else, I heard like, Gary Marshall was they, in this movie too. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like they all do work for those specific parts in kind of a cartoon. Like if you were going to draw a caricature of a weird old guy who has like friends in the deans of admissions or whatever, uh, you would maybe draw someone who looks like crusty old Gary Marshall or like prestigious old Harold Ramis and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And so as a kid, I guess it just managed to work, um, even though I didn't have any of the meta game of like, oh, that's that actor or that that, that actor and whatnot. Um, it's yeah. kind of like a cartoon. Like, all three of these movies, I think, sure. especially the animated one, which we're going to talk about, I think could be qualified as, like, you know, there's an animated quality to them. There's, like, a, especially in Orange County, there's, like, kind of a looseness to, there's a looseness to the flow. Everyone kind of looks really, uh, does look really exaggerated and cartoony. Like, Colin Hanks is the star of this movie, and the thing about Colin Hanks is he looks like, he's a very strange-looking fella, especially at this point. You know, like he doesn't—he yeah. has not like grown into his hanksness quite yet. Like he's still a teen, and it, he has like these huge eyes. At eighteen, you he's grow into your hanksness, and you're awarded like <laughs> one free pass to do whatever the fuck you want because you're a hanks. So yeah, that's true. Um, or you become. <laughs> well, he Chad. did. He used his one free moment there, to do whatever. There he are wants. two hanks inside yeah, you. <laughs> Chad Hanks. Yeah, there are two Chad Hanks. Like, uh, yeah. Also, you have to pick a path. <laughs> It must be noted that um, the school that four of us went to, uh, Colin Hanks also oh, went to. Oh, very good, very. Smart. Oh, was he a Chapman alum? As far as I know, I was. I was. He was kind of sold as one of the like celebrity alums when I. When I, I heard thought about Chapman that they filmed up, yeah. the Stanford stuff at Chapman. Like when I first saw the movie, like I was like, "Oh, that's like the older mm. part of Chapman." But one of I got a fast fact for you, Mason. Ready? No, <laughs> fast fact. Okay. Okay. Very good. Love that. Presented, presented by, by Sprite. Sprite and uh, <laughs> God's Plan by Drake. Um, so, a couple fast facts for you here. 
none of this movie was shot in Orange County at all. Believe it or Sick. not. That's everything fun. was huh. shot. Uh, the bigger, like the big locations all that location I have here in Prague. On location in Prague for all those. <laughs> it was a tax write off for Jake Kasdan or Larry Lawrence Kasdan or whatever. It was uh, back yeah. lot Star Wars deal. Thanks. <laughs> uh, you have Occidental College, USC, many wow, parts of the Occidental, valley, okay. and then Malibu is where all the beach scenes were filmed. So gotcha. uh, that is it's not filmed in Orange County at all, which I was shocked by because. That house that uh, that uh, Colin Hanks's character and his family live in, man. When you're working yes. those student sets and you like end up at like your parents mm-hmm. who live in Irvine's house, like all the fucking houses look like that. Yeah. That's something they absolutely totally. nailed with this movie. It was just so impressive to like feel like I was in my dorm room and I could like look outside and be like, "Fuck this place!" Like straight up. Bro. <laughs> Yeah, it's really bizarre how specific a lot of that kind of stuff is. And you look, I, I look to the writer out of curiosity, and it's fucking Mike White, who has written two of the, I guess, one, the, the great Jack Black movie and also Nacho Libre, depending on who you are. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. He really nailed a lot of the specificity because, uh, yeah, those houses are fucking insane and also super garish on the inside. Um, and, uh, we were kind of talking about the cartoon, cartoonishness and the amateurishness earlier, but like my first note is that the camera work in this movie is, is extra. Like I I, like they are, they're using the Dutch angle for all it's worth. And I think my little, like, you know, mind who was getting into Wes Anderson movies and stuff was just into the, the, the over kineticness of the cinematography and the editing and whatnot. It's a, it's a tight 80 minutes. It's pretty punchy, except for like maybe the last 20 minutes where it's all like, you know, trying to wrap up the dramatic stuff of the movie. But otherwise, the movie's just zooming around, and I, I kind of I like that element. Well, totally. Even if it is kind of the, the the opening sequence of this movie, I want to say like just prior, like everything leading up to like the opening credits slash like him talking about why he wanted to go to Stanford and writing that essay. It's yeah. super well put together. Like it is like very well like chopped up and like spliced up and like generally genuinely created interest as someone who I had never seen this movie prior to this podcast, I was like genuinely interested. I was like, Oh, okay. This kind of has like, I guess for lack of a better term, that MTV films like feel to it. And the only other movie I can think of off the top of my head, that was for sure an MTV film, which is actually a movie we've covered on this podcast is election of all movies. Right. And election weirdly has like a weird kineticism and like liveliness that a lot of Alexander Payne's other movies don't have in the same way, even if they are, interesting and fun so it's just interesting to see that orange county and uh election are under the same umbrella for the mtv films sort of like you know whatever it's it's crazy yeah the weird viacom paramount like merger kind of shit like this is a paramount (laughs) movie as well the uh the scene where their friend dies in uh, in a surfing accident which killed me as a child um uh was shot in the parking lot of uh, a Paramount in the, in the blue sky. Oh, tank. in the big, t- in the and big when it, uh, yeah, in that big tub there. Yeah, and when we would give a tour in the video reel, the first clip is from Orange County, <laughs> and it's so dark, and often it's very sunny in Los Angeles. So when I give the tour, it's impossible to see that clip. It's just <laughs> like surfing sounds and me holding up a black iPad and nothing happening for the people. You just had to hold it. one iPad for everybody to watch. Literally, That's yeah, so it was sad. like seven people gathered yeah, around dude. you. It's that, like, guys, yeah. come around here and look at this image on my iPad. Like, it was, it was 
Dude, uncom- have you never taken the Paramount Studios tour? That was one of my favorite studio tours in L.A. Dude, I'm sorry. I don't mean to bash the Paramount Studio tour, but that Universal one is unbeatable. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Uh, this movie also has a great, great, quote-unquote, soundtrack. I was so sure. happy yeah. to yeah. hear yeah. Butterfly yeah. by Crazy Town multiple <laughs> times Four during times. this movie. Four fucking great, times. Great bit. <laughs> Butterfly by Every Crazy time. Town. Yeah, every time there is a synchronized dance happening. Like, people just, like, they're like, oh, it's the song! And then they gather into the middle of the space and start doing a dance together. It's really ridiculous. I do love the, like, towing the line of, like, is this a diegetic yes, dance yeah. sequence? Or is, like, have, have we entered, like, that territory of musical where it's, like, we're not going to address the fact that everybody in this room somehow knows? I mean, in one scene, it's a cheer routine. So it's like, yeah. okay, they're cheerleaders. Makes sense. The fact that they're doing this kind of like in the middle of like a passing period and nobody's paying attention is sort of weird, but it's kind of believable. But then you go to a house party and it's just like half the people in the house party are doing. What I also loved about that, okay, this makes slightly less. What I also loved about that is like it clearly was like uh, a symbol for like the like the him feeling alienated you know like yes when it's happening again later at the party it's like oh no matter where I go I feel this way like what a weird device to choose of like. He feels alienated when his classmates start breaking out into dance, and he just he it's a butterfly by crazy. When, when all of his classmates become enraptured in a synchronized dance, that's when he realizes he has no place in society. It's like it's such a str- like that sounds great. Like that's cool. Everyone's dancing. You don't have to do it too. That's fine. It's nice. One of the things in the uh, in our little uh, group chat that we had trying to set this thing up that Chris uh, pointed out, which I was thinking about, and you, I think you. I don't remember the exact verbiage you used, Chris, but it's like the movie just, and again, spoilers for Orange County, so sorry here, folks, but uh, the movie just sort of ends with John Lithgow and Catherine O'Hara being like, we got you into Stanford, you know, like, ultimately. Something that somebody went to prison for this year is like a wholesome resolution. (laughs) That's that's exactly what I was going to say, is that, like, that happened, and William H. Macy and Felicity Huffman, like, were in the news because of that, you know, it's prophetic You think they, like, used this movie as evidence of like your honor like <laughs> this was a morally sound people do this, this all the time came out 15 years ago yeah every yes i do think they did that um let's <laughs> answer your question um so there's a new segment on this show and this is the first official episode that we're implementing it and it is called oh, the boy. mercedes valuable player award it works just like giving an mvp award in sports except instead of saying most we're saying mercedes because it's named after cool. mercedes ruel as her performance of connie in married to the mob which we covered on last episode with ian campbell so we will be doing this awesome. going forward to get us kicked off here i will be giving my mercedes valuable player award I was going to give a co-Mercedes Valuable Player Award, MVP award, but I've decided I'm just going to give it to one guy, and i got to give mine to Harold Ramis, to be honest with you. Yeah, he's great. I was thinking that, yeah, too. He, yeah, he's cool. really solid. He's on screen for not very long. He's on screen longer than Chevy Chase is, for that's for damn sure. <laughs> true, um, very true. But he's not, like, the main focus but just seeing him on screen now, obviously the fact that he is passed away and no longer yeah. with us, it really did just remind me that like, wow, this was like an actually good guy in the comedy world who like actually made yeah. like sweet and also like 
kind of like towed the line on some things like with Caddyshack and stuff. He just was able to really kind of do it all was super good. And he's got a very memorable little performance in this. And so for those reasons, I'm going to give my uh, Mercedes valuable player award to Harold Ramis Mason. Who do you give your most valuable player Mercedes valuable player award to my Mercedes valuable player? Uh, I think from the second she came on screen, I knew who it was going to be, but it's uh, Catherine O'Hara. Who's yeah. going to be my Mercedes yeah. valuable player in almost anything that she's in. One of my favorite actors. Uh, love to see her. The thing that I love about Catherine O'Hara and I, it's, it's a marker of a good actor. I think is that, you know, a Catherine O'Hara performance, but there's like such, um, there's, there's not one Catherine O'Hara performance that is exactly the same to another one, as far as I can tell. Like, she has this sort of, like, niche yeah. of playing, like, you know, sort of upper-class, kind of, like, ditzy, um, and I'll say also sad women, sad or eccentric women. Yeah, Beetlejuice, um, but 100%. She's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But she's very good in this movie, I think, at getting to the to the uh, the mom character's, like, loneliness and fear of abandonment in a very sympathetic way. And so she's not just a caricature of this woman. Like, she's an actual uh, an actual human being with, like, uh, wants and a personality and a, and a desire for, for, like, you know, uh, like, she's, she's so afraid of being lonely. And, you know, it's... Uh, if I had to, I would also sh- have her share this with John Lithgow because I think those two together yeah. are so uh, fucking good together. But... Just in the sake of, for one, Catherine O'Hara, that's mine. Rocky. Uh, we're going to bet this. Yeah, Rocky. I th- it's kind of obvious to give it to Jack Black, but I mean, like, I think what's great his, about him is that he's pretty sparingly used in it. For... Of, uh, yes. His delivery of uh, when he gets stumbles up and he has to go get the mail and he's like, do I need to use your yeah. computer? <laughs> yeah. And he, and yeah he, that is one of my favorite. Yeah. And he just like well, perfectly manages to knock a painting yeah. off the wall and crack it. Or when and he, yeah, uh, no. when he picks, when he has the like empty uh, cup of piss and he gets, so he yeah. just throws it against the wall and like just does a full it. spin and goes, Fine, and then does a full spin and leaves. You could do a supercut of every yes. physical movement he does in 100%. this movie, and I think it would be the best parts of the film because I think anytime he's on screen, they really let him do what he ended up doing best in his career. And physically, he's just like on one. The scene in his bedroom where he's vacuuming for no reason, he does a <laughs> shitty hop. It is a shitty hop over yes. his bed. He drums on his on his stomach. His eyes are just like blistered open, like he's like high out of his mind. Um, him jumping into the pool, kicking his legs around, taking his socks off before he jumps in. Like, yeah, just every little detail of his performance, I think, has been burned in my brain since I was a kid. Um, it feels kind of obvious to give it to him, but I mean, yeah, him and I think Lithgow is also very good. And uh, I think Jane Adams is pretty funny when she's like super oh, stoned. Jane Adams. Love Jane yeah, Adams. Just like, put put that out. I think it's funny. I, <laughs> yeah. What about you, Chris? Um, who's your, yeah, who's your Mercedes Gay jocks. Gay jocks. They were great. Gay jocks are the they best also, too, like, man. Clearly the most compelling storyline of the movie is the gay jocks. Just having some sort of Moonlight-esque <laughs> side plot of like becoming in love with each other. <laughs> very, very quietly in the that, background like, happening. The, yeah. When that happened at the end, I was like, why didn't I see that? Like I wanted to <laughs> see more of that. Like yeah. it's also, it's only 80 minutes. You could have put that in this movie. You could have kept that in it. <laughs> no reason but, to cut make that. Make it 90 so we have, yeah, exactly. About you, Jake. Uh, I think I agree with Mason's take on Catherine O'Hara. I think uh, I think it was you who was talking about it earlier, Noah. That or maybe it was Mason. Someone said that this movie almost had a cartoon quality to it, where all the characters 
almost feel like caricatures in a way. And I felt like Catherine O'Hara was like the best at just sort of grounding it in an emotional reality yeah. where like you really did like feel like she was a real, I mean, she's also ridiculous and like over the top in a way, but the way that she conveys it, I feel like is she brought like an emotional depth and grounding to a movie that didn't really like, you know, the emotion of like, I didn't get into my yeah. school of choice. I feel like was not necessarily as powerful as like a mother being abandoned and like totally. trying to put together the pieces of like a family that has been, you know, falling apart. Uh, which also I almost like that that may have been my biggest gripe with the movie is just like it's so hard to sympathize with with Connick's character. <laughs> yeah. It's like like boohoo boohoo you didn't get into the one of the best schools in the nation and then also the the resolution is you were rich enough the whole time for your dad to just donate a building. Also, and I then gotta you get ask yeah. like. What do we think the moral of this movie is? Let's. I. I don't know. <laughs> I think it. That's a great. I mean, like it reminded me of like Ratatouille near the end, where it, was, like, it doesn't matter where you come from. Your your home's kind of. Your your home's great, and you can be a writer wherever you want. Be you can be an artist from wherever you are. Yeah, yeah it, but it they, seemed I, like that. But then also, like all throughout the movie, there's this theme of like he needs to be freed from the burden of other people's problems, you know. And then like he gets called out for that. And then yeah. at the end, he's just like, no, wait. I don't need that. I need to stay in the burden yeah. of everyone else's problems. I need to indulge <laughs> in the problems of that my, is, uh, my family. That is something friends. that I did want to briefly bring up in that Mike White, super talented dude. I don't necessarily think that this is his most well-written script that he's ever done. For but sure. I do think yeah, that as know. far as like a whole movie coming together, there was something about it for me where I was just super into the like aching heart, like the passion like that you could feel – from the people on screen. You know, there was just something about the performances, the way that the camera yeah. is moving that sold it for me, even though this isn't his best script that he's ever written. And he's known for, you know, taking on some very interesting subject matters uh, in his career. Yeah. It is nice that everybody seems like uniformly involved and interested in at least making this like a good movie, you know, even if like maybe the script and everything wasn't all the way there, we'll say. Um, I'm kind of with you, Chris, that it feels like the moral was kind of thrown in. It's like in. what Kevin Klein's character says. Yeah, Kevin Klein's character says at the end, like, you have a pretty good movie, love the characters, but you, like, a pretty good story, you love the characters, but you don't really have an ending yet. And that's kind of how I, I it would have been really yeah. cool if the movie just, like, Sopranos hard cut cool me. Hey, can um, you imagine Tony <laughs> Soprano watching this movie being like, what the fuck are they doing at the ending? I can't fucking watch this shit. Oh, this fucking... <laughs> can't fucking do this shit no more, Calm. Come on, we're getting out of here. <laughs> and they walk okay, out of the theater. <laughs> I don't want metal going to fucking school with all those crazy town dances, Calm. <laughs> Dude, I... What's this come, my lady? Come, come, my lady. I do love the fuck out of Meadow Soprano's room. I think she has such a cool room. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I agree. Uh, don't mean to get us too <sighs> off track there, but um, is there anything else anybody actually wants to say before we say I, I whether like, or not we'd recommend this movie or not? I have some scant notes here. I like the Beach Boys inspired score yeah. here and there. Like oh, sure. A lot of, uh, and then like, and then they literally play Love and Mercy for the ending. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, um, I wrote down here, this is like if Noah Baumbach wrote very a movie good, and then it good. was directed by a can of Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, which I love. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Lot, lot, uh, who else is in this movie that was like a, a specific... Oh, Leslie Mann's in this movie yeah, she too. Is. In kind of an airheaded kind of funny role. Uh, yeah. Ben Stiller. Ben never Stiller as this. a fireman. Oh, yeah. Was, yeah. That was maybe the craziest thing to me. That one's pretty wild. Just like, yeah. It just so out That's of what happens when your dad yeah. is Lawrence Kasdan and your dad is Tom. When your when two your dads are Lawrence Kasdan and Tom Hanks, so you can just pull it. I think Jack Black might have known him from like the Mister Show and like Ben Stiller Show connections with like yeah, Bob and yeah, that's shit. True. Definitely. This like, was such a movie of like, let me call my buddy. Like, not even yes. on like a let yeah, me call yeah, yeah. on oh, behalf of my son or whatever. There were sometimes, or yeah, to that point, Jack Black of like, I could call Ben Stiller like. All right, I, I can get, get Chevy no Chase. It's like, okay, well, I can get, you know, this guy to come mm-hmm. to a scene. Everyone's one-upping each other with who it's, they yeah. get. It's like a jam. Yeah. It's like they all decide, like, yeah, we'll get together for a weekend and yeah. be like, we'll make a little movie. And the movie, the little movie's $19 million, <laughs> and it's this com- commercial teenager film. Uh, yeah, it's bizarre. Also, Jack Black watching SpongeBob and laughing at nothing <laughs> happening. Yeah. Oh, that was a great moment. Uh, also, can we just talk about? I was not expecting the the poster for this movie. The poster of this movie it's a good point. Was yeah. large in my memory because it was. I remember uh, disturbing big, me yeah. as a child. Yeah, it's a big just video the, store uh, poster that you see or like cover. Totally, and I Definitely. thought this was. I mean, this is kind of what the movie is: is the story about these like wacky brothers. But I thought it was going to be heavier on the brother stuff, just totally. based on that poster, because it is just mm, like yeah. Colin Hanks. Uh, I also mixed it up a lot in my head with the poster for the movie. Everything is illuminated, so I thought it was going to sure. be a little sure. Uh, you know that one with Elijah Wood, and he's got the the eyes and, and the, sunglasses the sunglasses and the flowers yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't literal know. same I, framing, basically. I, I, I just don't like when people's eyes are obscured on movies posters. Uh, I think it's just interesting. And for that well, reason, so I cannot it's, recommend it's, it. Whoa, <laughs> damn. Coming in hard. Chris, you recommend this one? Uh, I, I, I'm a conditional recommend on you have to be like nostalgic for early 2000s late 90s culture because it really like the music yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah. I think if you weren't like I don't know if, like, in 20 years this movie will be particularly, you know, like, relevant to watch, but I think, like, if you're nostalgic for that, yeah, it's fun. Mason? I think I'm. it's a conditional recommend for me, or to, up to a light recommend, light regular recommend, just because I had, it's an hour and 20 minutes, it's easy breezy, um... I was I kind of thought the two thousandsness of it was really quaint, especially the the especially the butter the butterfly by Crazy Town stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a a light recommend for me if it, it just is like um, yeah, like just like recommend. That's how I'll finish it off. Noah, what about you, bud? Yeah, this is. I'm just gonna straight up recommend it. I actually enjoyed it enough to the point where uh, I would throw this on if I was feeling like. I needed a little bit of a taste for it. There's just something about it. And I'm, you know, I have biases. I was around during this time. I was a young lad. You know, I was just, just getting out of diapers guys. You know, it was one of those times, but, uh, I, uh, I had a fun time with it and, uh, I'm just going to give it a recommend, just a very solid recommend. And of course the man who brought it here himself, Mr. Rocky, do you recommend this movie? No, I fucking Yes, the bit is back. The bit is back. I had to do the bit real quick. I'm a bit, I'm a bit is back. <laughs>
I'm actually, I'm with Chris a little bit. I mean, because I just know that it's going to hit a very specific spot for certain people who like, you know, like if they hear cake in the opening credits, they're going to be like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> um, or, you know, are from Orange County as well. Yeah. You know, and also, you know, like it, it is kind of a nice piece of comedy history, I guess, if you're looking at like the growth of comedy as a film genre throughout the decades, maybe. Like just like a weird little spot of like Jack Black's on the rise, and you know we got and Chevy Chase um, shows like up. White <laughs> Chevy Chase is on the rise. <laughs> no, um, uh, yeah. So I, I I recommend it personally, but I do acknowledge that, that it is not for everybody anymore at this point. I've been watching a lot of like teen comedies from the '90s also recently. Like uh, I saw Ten Things I Hate About You for the first time Great recently, movie. and also like um, Can't Hardly oh, Wait. That movie's fun you know, too. and all these. Oh, movies- that's a good one. Totally, yeah. Josie and the Pussycats, same directors. Yeah, like it's all of this kind of type of kinetic, uh, semi-absurdist, uh, you know, like teen-based comedy that uh, is a certain genre and a, a certain part of a decade for sure. Um, and if you like that kind of stuff, this is definitely of that canon. Uh, and I think it's it's pretty fun. But also, Jake Kasdan goes on to make fucking Walk Hard. That's true. King. Yeah, baby. Good yes, King. Shit. Yes, we do. That is King. We do shit, have to literally. bless up the King for Walk Hard, uh, the Dewey Cox story. Bless up. Uh, bless up. Bless, bless up. ups all, all right, around. moving on. Yeah, moving we got. On. Are we, uh, we have we uh, the we shortest have, movie of the bunch. <laughs> the shortest movie of the bunch. The only movie yes. that is uh, directly animated <laughs> uh, of the three. Uh, yeah, I just is... want to say, prompt-wise, I did the best job, very clearly. Okay, so this is Chris's pick. Right. I don't know if that's <laughs> yeah, necessarily I don't know giving you a run for his money, this I'd is, say. Uh, but, uh... Chris's pick, this is an extremely goofy movie, a direct-to-video uh, sequel to a goofy movie from the year. I Was believe... Goofy Movie in theaters? Yes. That's insane to me. So, yeah. It's a full musical, yeah, man. Like, it's a full like, that's like... Listen, they had Disney put their best money behind a Goofy movie, and then they put their B team on this one. Yeah. I remember when this movie came out. Actually, this is so. This movie was also a big VHS movie for me, and I'm glad oh, totally. that Chris brought it back into my yeah, life. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Um, I saw this movie probably half a dozen to a dozen times before I ever saw the original Goofy. movie. Oh yeah, same here. Um, and I remember this. It's funny how movie. that works out. Yeah, right. And I also remember this movie being advertised incessantly on VHSs. Yes. Um, yes. Leading up to, and it be coming out on Leap Day 2000. Yes. That was a big. Remember that? Yes. An extremely goofy oh movie God. on VHS Whoa. on Leap Day 2000. Yes. Like that was wow. a big. That was a Holy big. Shit part of like that was an early this movie was early hype for me like this is probably my first experience with hype or anticipating a movie was when there's going to be the extremely goofy movie on leap day 2000 boy did it live up to the hype oh yes oh yeah that was the best leap day of all time crazy how the year like the in the year 2000 people were just obsessed with it being the year 2000 like they were just like oh yeah Yeah, this is so fucking epic that we're in i get that though it's a turn of the (laughs) you're you're putting a two of all the computers (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah um i I have a question i think could start this off for chris um chris how soon before or after this did you watch saturday night fever wow and i'm glad you asked that and the answer is like a long time i didn't see saturday night fever (laughs) till i was in college which is why i think it really uh made me cry a lot when i watched it um (laughs) but this movie yeah i had i don't think i saw a goofy movie till i was like out of the age group in which i would have been interested in it you know and so sure. for me, it was only an extremely goofy movie. And I, I, it's funny. There's so many references I didn't 
nowhere references. You know, I was just like, yeah. the disco stuff was so cool to me. All the like music was so good to me. Like, I thought this movie was. <laughs> oh, dude, the soundtrack for this movie rocks. This movie socialized yes. me in such. So- like, the more, <laughs> the older I get, the more I'm just like, how much of my like morality and decision making is rooted in like an extremely Damn. goofy movie? You know? <laughs> it's really a lot, I think. <laughs> Kind of messed up. <laughs> yeah, maybe not yeah, the best really movie like that. for that, but not bad. What about you, Jake? You have any experience? Uh, with this no, one? I had seen it before, but not until I think the reason I first saw it was because I knew it was one of Chris's favorite movies. So, and we we've lived with each other for what like five or six years now. So there's been a lot of movie nights over the course of our living together, and I'm sure it's come up at some point. I don't remember exactly. I'm, I think it was college though that I saw it for the first time. Perfect um, time and. My initial takes were that it, there, there's there's two, I think, really pervasive Disney kids movie formulas that I see a lot. One is the kid who wants to do two things, which is the, the formula for a high school musical. I want to play basketball, but I also want to sing. It's step up. I want to play. Uh, I want to box, but I also want to or not step up. What's the jump up? Jump, jump in. in. Yeah. What's the jump rope one with Corbin Blue? Where he wants to jump rope, but he also yeah. wants to box. There's the Danny's whatever million dollar cookoff where he wants to yes, play baseball. That's but a he great movie. Cook. He has the purple goop. That purple goop. So that that is one formula that I see a lot in Disney movies. The other formula that I see a lot in Disney movies is this one, which is the one of us is extremely good at a thing and is asked to join the evil team, mm. but does it because they yeah. have a lot of friends. You see that also yeah. in yeah. Brink. Where where he's a skater, you see that in the Sandlot where Benny the Jet is invited to come play with the cool with come play with the cool baseball team, but he does it because of the Sandlot kids. Johnny Tsunami, another example. Um, so that's something that I noticed. And I thought it did a really good job of that of doing a twist on that mm. on on that theme with putting the dad on the other team because uh, that is something that you don't like. They're usually the the evil and it, not that it made like the evil team good or anything but that's just something that i had uh, an, a fun twist on that i think uh yes. plot line that i see a it's lot that in kids movies. plus the rodney dangerfield movie back to school basically like it's like it's just the literal combination there yeah i think another thing that uh, these three movies have a venn diagram about is a relationship to extreme sports <laughs> yeah um as yeah as well as um like the kind of stoner buddy like there's a character who's at, who at least seems like a stoner era he is coded and this one it's Polly Shore yeah, he's coded definitely as like a stoner 100% even even in a goofy movie which i saw for the first time recently like he is just full on the stoner character like that's kind of like the like the bit for that character and here it's just even like amplified even more i saw um, this movie uh yeah for the first time, like similar, I guess, to Mason, I guess, because I just remember seeing a preview for this movie on every VHS I owned. It just seemed like every VHS that I had at the time had an ad for an, but not for a goofy movie, but for an extremely goofy movie. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that like home media was somewhat new and this was going to be a direct to video release, which is interesting in the sense that like, I don't think a goofy movie did poorly, but it must have not done well enough to warrant a like second feature release, which is I also I don't know. I'm also thinking about like in 2000, I think Walt Disney Studios was also throwing most of their weight behind that that CG dinosaur movie. Sure. Um, And I, you know, and I think that, you know, it was just a matter of 
resources which they wanted to allocate. It's like Goofy made thirty five mil. Goofy movie on a what budget? Do you know? Doesn't say. Doesn't say. Okay. And that's like that's a modest hit, basically. Like even on the mouse, it like for like a B sort of tier movie that feels like a modest hit, and it doesn't seem like it would really be in the best interest, like you know, of the company, you know, to put an extremely goofy movie out in theaters. The other so thing, what do you think like, about this theory that this movie was secretly an advertisement for ESPN and the X games? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah, the X games. The yeah. That thing. could be that. And the other thing is it could have just not been good. And they decided <laughs> to just put it straight to DVD, which is another thing that happens. That's as well. I so, mean, because yeah, this director, yeah. his, his, this director, I'm on his letterbox right now. And, uh, in 1995, he made his a... personal letterbox. Yeah, his, his top four. Yeah, uh, in 1995, he made a short called Carrot Blanca, which is a retelling of Casablanca, starring Very Bugs cool. Bunny and the Looney Tunes cast. In 1996, he made Marvin Martian in the Third Dimension, which all the reviews are. This seems to be some sort of gimmick for a 3D theme park. I don't really understand it now. <laughs> and then, it's crazy how all the reviews say that. Cool. And awesome. then you cut to four years later when he made an extremely goofy movie, and then he has not worked since. Interesting. Wow. That's Interesting. not a good sign. It is. <laughs> Burns out of the Disney park I can see him working in, like... Like Disney TV yeah. animation, maybe. That's or like I don't see it on, on, on Disney Parks or something like that. I feel like a lot of those guys like also like sure. write scripts for like star tours and shit if they're like, you know, in the system, but they're not really like doing stuff or like writing the script for like the the line sh- like short that's playing like while you're he about to be on Space Mountain artist. or something. Okay. Oh, okay. I mean, that makes sense. So is Seth MacFarlane uh, before he made Family Guy. Uh, (laughs) This is... (laughs) Johnny Bravo. This movie has a higher Rotten Tomatoes score than... The Extremely Goofy movie has a higher Rotten Tomatoes score than Goofy movie. Correct. So it does fall in the rare category with Godfather 2 and Terminator 2 of sequels (laughs) that have surpassed the original. What do you guys think about that? I think it's correct. Makes sense Pretty to me. Weird. I didn't see the first one, you so guys, I don't know. I was shocked at just how wonderful the first one is, and this one is, it's good. It definitely plays into more cliches and certain tropes and stuff like that, and it does feel kind of like a cash-in to a certain degree, uh, especially with all the, like, the extreme sports stuff, but like, I, I, it's still very charming, and shit, like, it's been in my brain ever since I saw it as a kid, so I guess I get it. I do love the idea that, like, these kids are going to college to do extreme sports though. <laughs> Cause like it, yes, that's their it major. Doesn't seem like they're actually there to like legit study. Cause the, we don't even know what they're there to really study. We know that goofy's there to like get a degree so he can get back out in the workforce, which is like a sad, cold reality of like the world. Yeah, yeah, it's that's that's so oh, that's it breaks my heart that, that it breaks my heart that Goofy is not a union man. I know. Uh, or did not have proper union yeah. representation because there's no reason he should have gotten fired for that, you know, goof. So unfair. He was a, he was a, he was a subject to automation which all of our job this podcast is going to be automated one day God. and we're just going to have to feed a robot <laughs> a thousand hours of this and it's just going to be my 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 do voice feed... doing family guy. That's all it's going to be. I do be. feed all of our every single Zoom call into a neural network once we're done report once we're done recording. So Finally. Oh, yes. Thank you, Mason. We yeah, need our welcome. consciousness to live on even after we are long gone, perish from this earth. Uh, the uh, the nachos in this movie are a wonderful example yep. of cartoon food just looking so incredibly good and better than real life food. Yeah. Is there a certain 
cartoon food that just sticks out to you guys that you've always wanted to try? I'm curious. We can start with uh, Chris on that one. I'm looking up Seth MacFarlane's early career, and I'm it's blowing my mind. <laughs> Worked on he Johnny Bravo. He was a writer Bravo, on. He was the creator of Johnny Bravo. What? Mm. Co-creator, probably, or at one least was like five, one of, you know he was a like. writer on there for a while. One of five creators. Anyway, of it takes Bravo. a village, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Chris, is there any cartoon food that you think <laughs> how and chicken i am weasel i am weasel was great i can't believe he was responsible for all the like a lot of those cartoons like because dexter's those were all lab heavy, heavy rotation yeah. staff writer on dexter's I mean, lab that family guy must be a bunch of jenny tartakovsky a, a big 90s cartoon network energy now that you were saying it well wasn't it it was a uh you got a cartoon or what's new cartoon? It was like a, a, a cartoon like pilot program, I thought. Like it was on one of those like cartoon short blocks. Hmm. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, what a cartoon. Yeah, this was yeah. Um, What a pitched. cartoon. That's it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I have it right here. Uh, anyway, I will say burger. <laughs> <laughs> From where, asshole? From where? Just can't go wrong. General burger. Cartoon burger. They always yeah. know how to make it okay. look really good. Okay, Rocky, how about you? <laughs> Uh, any food in a Miyazaki movie? Like, I guess, yeah, like, like when the when the parents get when the parents get fat and spirited away, and they just start like horking down those dumplings and shit. Um, yeah, that's that that's pretty good. And I'm sure I'm thinking of others too, but I can't for the life of me have think of Jake. Them what about you? Um, I mean, of course, there's the iconic uh, Krusty Krab, Krabby Patty. Um, yeah, that was my that'd be my answer. Oh, as well. oh, God, but I think I would pick sort the of Krusty Krab pizza. The, well, in that case, I'm going to oh. say the Krusty Krab pizza yes. because it is the pizza for you and me. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that looked dank. Uh, I would like to eat that. <laughs> Very cool. What about you, Mason? Uh, I want to. Uh, this is going to be a weird answer, but it was the first one that came to my mind, so I'm going to go with it. Uh, the bugs from A Lion King during the. I, oh, wow. The uh, Akuna Matata yeah. sequence. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe just because they look like candy, they look kind of delicious. Uh, but I want to I want to eat a bug. <laughs> what about Pill also in Emperor's New Groove is also yes, very good definitely. And then as on the other side of the coin from the Krabby Patty, also the Pretty Patties episode. Those things I would yes. like to taste what that mm-hmm. tastes like. Yes, so, I would just like definitely. the lower part of my body to be plaid like a Scotsman's kilt. <laughs> I love the joke. Look what's happening. I love the joke in that. This is not related to Goofy Movie at all, but I just love the joke in that episode where Patrick and SpongeBob are talking to each other and he's like, I'm mad. And SpongeBob's like, Why? And he just says, Because I can't see my forehead. (laughs) I just love that joke. I just love that joke. And the animation is is dictated and technically like foreshadowing that dialogue because he's looking upward. It's just so fucking smart. Um, I also want to eat the candy from the original Willy Wonka when they go in the room and everything's made out of candy and it's like yes. giant, yes. giant gummy bears oh, and stuff. Oh, yes. That shit like tight. Big time. Mm-hmm. You guys remember? You guys realize that Brad Garrett is the voice of Tank in this movie, and that is yep. so yeah, awesome yep. that they were able to get another like small little cameo that they were able to get because he like says like maybe like ten lines of dialogue the whole film, and yet he's in there and he's unmistakable. It's awesome. And the uh, the voice of yeah, Carl Weezer is yes, I yes. noticed that immediately. I think I forget yes. why. Weezer, uh, uh, Carl Weezer got brought up recently. I think maybe on Everything Now or something, but it was in my head. So when I heard that, my brain immediately was like, this is Carl's voice. That's cool. We also have in the film a awesome 
dance sequence, which we sort of alluded to uh, earlier uh-huh. with the Saturday Night yeah. Fever thing. Uh, Goofy is a fucking he's a he's amazing. He's, <laughs> he's the chiller dude. He's dancing so well in this. A physical marvel. He is. And, and doesn't yeah, yeah. BB no, Newworth play even, his girlfriend in this? Doesn't she play the cute librarian, BB Newworth? Yes, you are Hell correct. Yeah. Still, Lilith yeah. from Frasier and, and uh, I was going to say Seinfeld, but Cheers. Oh, oh. I didn't know that. And then, yeah, she's Lilith. The uh, the like the what's the name of the what is the frat that they're like obsessed with that also. Oh, Kappa Sigma whatever, something whatever, whatever that is. The, like, leader. Bradley Uppercrust yeah. the third. Yes, so that yeah, reminded baby. me, yes, not to man. bring up Family Guy again, but that immediately reminded me of uh, the MasterCard fortune line where he's like, this is blank MasterCard. Heir to the MasterCard fortune. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Please say <laughs> no. yes. No, what the fuck are you talking about, <laughs> Please, dude? Please, goddamn, bro. I think you dream that. I dude. will say, I will say that Bradley... Yeah, you actually thought you dreamt of that kind of guy a bit. Um, Br- Bradley Uppercrest the third, like the animation that goes into his face on every second he's on screen, is really, really yeah, impressive. it's really good. Like his his eyes and his his eyebrows, just how how deranged he looks the whole time. It's very, very like fun to watch the whole movie. It does, yeah. It's and this to the point of him being deranged. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I forgot how dark this movie got, especially yeah. towards the end. Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. I it was giving me like it was reminding me of watching this movie as much as it is a kid and just getting to the part where the X Games like scaffolding collapses on top of Tank and Max. So scary. And yeah. uh, apparently being legitimately it was censored post nine eleven. I'm reading yes. now. Wait, really? How, how so? Makes, listen, wow. hey. They just took that part out. There's like a shot of like the the two parts of the x in the sky burning and it looks like two parallel towers burning and so they took that shot out but it's still in the Uh home release versions interesting uh chill uh but that part was always very upsetting to me as a kid and i forgot how upsetting that movie this movie got also again yeah i think what's also like this movie is also like psychologically upsetting particularly for a child like it's not psychologically upsetting for a grown-up but like when you're a child like that dream sequence that goofy has oh yeah to get happy and then when when max is like get your own life like leave me alone and get your own life like there's some like deep like psychology like you know family relationship stuff happening there that like when you're Again, when you're like seven, you're like, you know, this is the most important thing happening in my psyche is like my relationship with my parents or whatever, you know, like. Right. And arguably, as you get older, it's still kind of important. And like the whole that and the like scene when Max leaves, then Goofy's just like holding Max's little toy in his room. Oh, it's so sad. It's so like when I was a kid, that got me so. So that really affected me. But then in this, in the same way, like when Absolutely. he gets to college and I remember thinking, it's like, wow, I'm going to go to college. It's going to be a coffee shop. Everybody goes to, and there's going to be <laughs> skateboarders yeah. everywhere. And like, it was just so like glorified. And I was so excited about it because of this movie. It yeah. makes it just seem like a nonstop right, party, yeah. which I think for some people college is a nonstop yeah. party, but like this made it seem sure. like, safe in a, yeah. in a non-stop party <laughs> yeah. way where it is definitely not safe to do a non-stop party when you actually get to college as upsetting as that may be yeah no um, one's getting blackout crossfaded and just like puking before they get on a bus it's like everybody goes to the local coffee yeah. shop and drinks espresso and listens to poetry and like and builds towers of cheese yeah. 
No, the pizza in this movie is also fucking looks fucking delicious. I will say, cartoon pizza yes, always looks delicious. Yeah, that's also yeah, pretty legendary. Pizza. Yeah, the pizza. yeah, stretchy cheese. cheese. That's what you want. Um, this might have been the first time I've ever seen the snapping oh, for mm. a, a performance. Oh, thing. big time! That was big like probably time. Yeah, yeah, like the the beatnik. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is Goof Troop good? <laughs> is that a good show? I'm gonna vote yes. I bet you it is good. I remember before JonTron was canceled and I was watching Game Grumps, they did a like playthrough sure. of the video game version of Goof Troop, but I have never wow. seen the show. So I would hope that it's good, um, and it probably is, because honestly, both a goofy movie and an extremely goofy movie are both at minimum good movies. Like they are legitimately fun to watch. They would be great family watches, especially if you have like younger kids and you want to like show them something that's like a little Mm -hmm. bit off the, off the beaten path. I guess you did hit that part on the nail, Chris, if you want to pat yourself on the back for having a good selection. But, uh, I will just, I guess I'll get us going here on the, uh, on the wrap up stuff because my most my Mercedes valuable player for this, I think it's just got to be goofy, just straight up. He just comes yeah. in Always. to this Always. world. Yeah. He fucks up Max's entire idea of what college is, and he does it better than him. I think it's just like amazing that he's like basically like you're a little shitty bratty kid without saying any of this and just like completely shows him what's important in the most like cool like respectable way like it's awesome so he's my mercedes valuable player uh chris who's your mercedes valuable mine player? i'm gonna go with uh voiced by jim cummings uh yes. pete pj's dad oh, i course. love the, Pete's the, the best so- the yeah uh I can't miss you if you don't leave. I love how <laughs> mm-hmm. he's another great character of just like the guy who sucks and it's just like a bad yes. father doesn't want to do it. And it's just like, I thought they did that well. And I thought he's the, good. The animation uh, actually during the horseshoe scene, uh, like when they're in the backyard of just watching the horseshoe go through the drain pipe. I think that's really fun and cool to watch. That's yeah. just a really well done sequence of animation. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jake? Who's your Mercedes valuable player? Uh, my Mercedes valuable player presented by Sprite is, uh, I would say it's got to be either Goofy or I really like Bradley Uppercrust the Third. I thought he was a great villain. Um, yeah. Just like the way that they presented him, like Rocky said, like the animation on him, I felt like was almost like. It was the same as the rest of the movie, but there was like a little extra something to the way that he moved, like his his facial expressions. I thought they did they, especially in that scene where they, <laughs> I love I love when they're like we're gonna cheat, right? Like like and all the all and all the yeah. rap bros go gonna cheat, cheat, right? Cheat, 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 <laughs> cheat, cheat. <laughs> That, so that unsubtle. Really laugh. And he, he was just like, I think, a, a perfect Disney villain of just like not likable at all. Just like of just just it. They don't they don't try to like make him likable. Like they just make him a straight up evil douchebag. Um, and I thought that was cool. Rocky, who's your Mercedes valuable player for extremely goofy movie? Yeah, I'm leaning toward uh, Bradley Uppercrest the Third as well. I, I mean, <clears throat> also, I mean, just because he's a very specific presence in these films, Polly Shore's yeah, body. Yeah. There's something to be there's something to be said about that specific character's sense of humor, and also the legendary uh, moment of why are we always yeah. wearing gloves, which is just a very 
very cute you thanks know, to the audience did, a little bit. They did answer that question most uh, in a the recent Corridor Crew video, animators react to animation or whatever it's called. And wouldn't you know it, oh. it's a racist origin. Oh. <laughs> no. Hey! No, no. It is, uh, you can tie it back to the, uh, minstrel show-like nature of early yeah. Max Fleischer cartoons. Uh, I could have sensed that. Uh, so, th- so, uh, but I, it's, <laughs> it did cause, to this movie's credit, it did cause little me at six years old to have, uh, existential, his first existential query, like, wait a minute, why are cartoon characters always wearing yeah. gloves? Dude, honestly, I just would have figured, like, not knowing uh, if you, like, hadn't said that, that hands are just really fucking hard to draw. So drawing, like, a glove, you know, those big hands, it's, like, an easy cartoon way to, like, get around the fact that, like, drawing human-like hands is probably, like, the hardest thing outside of, like, a human face to learn how to draw. And yet it was just racism. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're probably right, Chris. (laughs) Like most things in life, it turned out to just be racism. Yeah, in the end, it was <laughs> just, it was racism. It was money and racism. Uh, Mason, who's your Mercedes Valuable player? Uh, I'm just going to bring it on home back to Goofy, man. I mean, yeah. like, it's, 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 uh, it's a sign of uh, just tremendous, tremendous respect for the craft when you can have your name be above the title uh, <laughs> and take such a, a, a smaller sort of, uh, arguably less demanding role in this movie, but I think that Goofy does so much with um, his part here. Uh, you really feel for him when he's missing his son. Uh, you despair with him when he's lost yeah. his job. You root for uh, him when he's doing push-ups and reading books at the same time. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> when he, uh, you, you stand up and cheer and, and, and cry when he uh, makes it onto the, the ramp. To help his son's team complete the X Games, uh, Goofy all the way for me. The classic X Games triathlon part. race that we all know and love. That was something that, that we all had to that do go from <laughs> roller skating <laughs> to fighting. <laughs> they had the real yeah. X Games but... with real ESPN branding on it, and then it was like, and the sport is rock climbing, yeah. and like, it's like, <laughs> why not just use real X Games events? Like, you're already most of the way there. I guess they're not as compelling, but like. You know, for a piece of, like, pretty blatant, like, vertical or horizontal integration, whichever this one is, they did not get, like, any actual yeah. athletes. I know. To, like, show for too. Bryce Cameos. They didn't, they didn't get Bucky Lacey. Yeah, I, it just would have been confusing yeah. because they're all animals. So, like, it would have had to be, like... Yes. Like, okay, yeah. but human beings, regular-ass people showed up on Arthur all the time. I was time. just like, thinking that. Matt Damon Arthur showed up. Is the Arthur is the key. Yes. Philip Seymour Hoffman. John Lewis was in Arthur, for fuck's sake. Uh, Wait, but John Lewis was in Arthur with little ears. He had little dog ears. He was? He was in Arthur. He could have have just made Tony Hawk like an actual bird or something and put him in there. Yeah. That's it, yes. And now we've just created Bojack Horseman, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Mason. What if, like, animal but sad, dude? Mason, do you recommend this movie? Oh, I gotta say. I do, I do. Uh, especially if you grew up with this one. This is a fun one to revisit. It's only 73 minutes, which is mm-hmm. nice. But it, sometimes I have this thing where, like, I watch, like, a 73-minute long movie, and I'm, like, almost waiting for it to be done, so it feels longer than it actually is. Uh, but it's it's very sweet. There's a lot of good... I, I think the animation in it is really well done, even if it did look really weird on my TV. Um... <laughs> 
Still and trying to figure just... that one out, to be honest with you. I don't know. It looks really fucking weird. But I think yeah. you can blame racism yeah. for that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, but no, I recommend this one. Uh, let's go around. Uh, Rocky, would you recommend an extremely goofy movie? Uh, do I have to no, please don't. <laughs> Not for a movie okay, cool. you didn't bring. Uh, yes. I mean, like... <laughs> yeah, slightly different bit. Yeah, right, yeah. So I, Exactly. Uh, no, I do really enjoy this movie. I do recommend it. A lot of great stuff in it. Um, I, 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 th- I think the first one's also very good. So they're just a wonderful pair of short films that have like, you know, very sweet spirit to them and also can have the ability to kind of make you laugh and kind of cry a little bit. Uh, one thing I, I wanted to just to laud in this movie was the scene after the disco dancing where it's a quiet little date night yeah. between Goofy and his girl. And it's just, it's just beautiful it romance. Is. It's just so sweet. It's just the sweetest little thing in the world. Um, and also the line of, hey, look, it's Mickey Mouse. I thought that raised a lot of questions. Also, just like a little something, and they took it from this movie. Girls think it's really cute when you try to like do little hand, like talk to them with your hands and stuff. Yeah, a little hand dancing. You know, put, run your hands across their hand. They run their hand. It's very cute and charming. Oh my it's God, very it's cute true. and charming. It's crazy how right. whenever Chris comes correct, on this show, actually. he tries to give me dating advice. <laughs> <laughs> the most like unsubtle way possible. The other thing about <laughs> extremely goofy that. movie is oh. when you put yourself out there, people are very receptive <laughs> to that. Yeah, well, we'll see. It's quarantine, baby. It's quarantine season. We're sliding into DMs. We're not making actual moves. Jake, uh, what do you think? You recommend yeah, this? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I think it's really fun. I think it's. I, I think going back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of the pod, the idea of like there are family movies that everybody can enjoy, and then there are kids' movies that are more geared towards just the kids in the room. I think this is definitely more in the category of a family movie that like there's enough adult not adult themes, but themes that are still applicable and, and resonate with, you know, adults and, and at, at least young adults, like people like in our, our age group, um, that I think someone like, you know, in our genre of people or our demographic would, could enjoy as well. Uh, I have a, Chris, we'll get to you here. We'll, we'll have you tail this thing off. Uh, have a review here. Before there was Letterboxd, folks, there were IMDb reviews, which I was fortunate enough uh, to never leave. But the top review on IMDb for an extremely goofy movie was written on November 8th, 2000 by Lowe's 8. And I'm just going to read it to you verbatim in its entirety. Hi, I own AEGM, or as some call it, XGM. Actually, that's cooler. I'm going to call it that from now on. First of all, you should know that Jason Marsden is my favorite actor, so I'm probably going to be biased Ahem. but actually i'm not i did enjoy this movie but i was left feeling what's the word i'm looking for faintly disappointed yes for a start it seemed a lot shorter than the first a goofy movie and also max wasn't in it enough no seriously it was meant to be about him at college right do we see him study no, I liked the fact <laughs> that PJ and Bobby were more prominent and Bill Farmer is goofy. Well, you can't complain there, can you? He deserves an award for that voice. Wow. It was a good movie if you've never seen the first. You can't be disappointed. The animation was a hundred times better for a straight-to-video release than most others. The music was funky, especially if you don't like it when characters sing. The storyline was sweet but it lacked something the first movie never had. So if you really, really like the first like I do, you may end up feeling the same way as me. Just remember that sequels are never as good as the original. Smiley face. Wrong. Signed, yeah. Lowe's. 
So uh, that's interesting. So their main critique was that Max didn't study enough. <laughs> yes, that is their main critique. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a flawless film. Um, I will say I do enjoy the first a goofy movie more. I also watched it for this uh, because I hadn't seen either of them in like 15 years. This is still a good movie. I would absolutely recommend this movie. Chris. After that review, I'm less inclined to, but uh, I still will. Yeah. I absolutely. will say, though, like, I hope this is. Hey, for all the seven-year-old listeners of this podcast. Yeah, we are the podcast for kids. This is the movie for you. If you're 29 years old and you haven't seen this movie yet, I don't think you want to watch it. But if you have a child, you can show it to them. If you remember watching this movie as a kid, even vaguely, it'll be a very nice nostalgic thing to go watch. And for, yeah, all of our little little child listeners out there get on our little buddies (laughs) all you little buddies out there who always listen to our show please check this one out what's up you little little butters button ears parents do put this podcast on to help their children fall asleep at night uh (laughs) just as i do with uh all right, we're gonna move on. <laughs> I don't know. What the, I don't know what the end of that joke was gonna be. How long is that? That is. So uh, we're at the hour. we're at the tail end here. We're at the the grand finale, the one that kind of started this whole thing off. That's fucking. We got go. three ninjas, a 1992 film Woo! by John Turtletaub, who would go on to direct uh, both of the National Treasure films as well as some other gems and here. And the Meg. And the Meg. Cool runnings. The Meg. Cool runnings and the Meg. The Meg and cool runnings. Jake, uh, you brought this one on. Talk to us about your relationship with this film and why you wanted to bring it on the pod. Um, gosh, I wish I knew more about how this movie came into my life because I think it must have been just like one of these movies like we've talked about that is just like you had the VHS and so it was one of a few that was just in the rotation and you'd put it on all the time. Um, sure. And I had just seen it. I was shocked watching it again because I probably had not seen it since... I want to say even before high school, probably last time I watched it in its entirety was like maybe middle school, likely fourth or fifth grade. Um, right. But I remembered every scene almost verbatim, line for line, which is like so. Damn. So like I really, it was deeply, deeply ingrained in my psyche. And I feel like this movie is for like a an adolescent like prepubescent boy who has not like discovered sexuality at all like this is porn like this is just like when <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. When, like when you're not fantasizing about like sex yet it's like this is just the ultimate childhood boy fantasy of like small kids beating the shit out of grown adults being trained to be like ninjas are real and not only are ninjas real but like kids well, can ninjas use ninja are real. powers well yeah i guess but like <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, like this real, is not like right? ninja versus <laughs> like martial arts like a specific martial arts this is just like broadly like ninja guy it's like ninja, middle-aged yeah. white it's, yeah. is actually what that seems it's to be like, in this movie it's like when you're a kid and you think that karate is cool but you really just think that stunt coordination is cool like that's what this movie <laughs> yeah about. yeah it's, it's everything that they're doing you're at the age where sorry rocky go for it yeah, you're at, you're at the age where, like, Jackie Chan movies are really, like, working at their peak. And it, this does kind of have similar qualities sometimes to those kinds of films. But, yeah, the, the, the kid power thing. And also at the end, just, like, getting to actually beat up another child who is tormenting Yeah, the only black box. kid in this movie whose character trait is likes to <laughs> steal bikes. And well, play basketball. Kicked out of him. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> it's oh a Disney movie, God, folks. Yeah. It's another Disney movie. Yeah, Touchstone. Did anybody else have... I, it sounds like, Rocky, you were also privy to this movie as a young child. Is that fair to say? Pretty much the same thing as Jake. Yeah, they're like like grunts and music cues and like certain just noises that are ingrained into my skull kind of <laughs> from this movie. Um, a lot of lines of dialogue and what and whatnot. And just kind of, uh, I got a really visceral feeling watching this. Um, I found a YouTube comment on the free cut on YouTube. <laughs> that I think Jake and Very I also excellent. watched. Um, from Flyboy Car- Clarkston. These movies symbolize so much more than movies. These bring back memories of good times, purity, good, clean childhood fun. Two words. Playing with cousins, acting like ninjas. <laughs> These days, the world feels so mm, filled. Yeah. Flyboy Clarkston, you you are the voice of our generation, honestly, for that one. Uh, Michael Hanukkah wrote that comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But my point bringing that up is, like, watching this, I just, like, kind of got flashes to being in second grade or something watching it. And that just made me feel absolutely insane because this movie is so fucking ridiculous to have emotional, like <laughs> nostalgic blasts with. This movie is just a that bag is... of Skittles. Like that was, it reminded me just of just chomping, oh, for chowing sure. down on a bag of Skittles. How about you, Chris? Yes. What's your, what's your past with this? Did you have a past with this? No. So I had the fourth three ninjas movie where Hulk Hogan like it's a crazy fights, sentence God fights damn. a roller coaster or something. God damn. Uh, I had that one as a kid and because it was the fourth, the thing I remember about that movie is like the kids were like famous and like, I was supposed to know who they were. So it clearly what? like I had missed three movies. Right. Uh, and then Hulk Hogan was also like always wearing like a speedo or something, uh, which seemed inappropriate around all those kids. And, that I don't remember watching it more than like a couple times and particularly enjoying it. So when Jake started telling me about Three Ninjas, I was like, "Yeah, I know the Hulk Hogan one." He's like, "No, no, no, the one I know doesn't have Hulk Hogan in it." And I then <laughs> went back and realized this month, pretty much, that the thing I watched as a kid was the fourth in a series of movies and not just the lone Three Ninjas yeah. movie, as I previously thought it was. Yeah, Here so the top this, the, three for high, three ninjas high noon at Mega Mountain, they are above the title uh, Hulk Hogan, Lonnie Anderson, and Ernest himself, Jim Varney. That's Damn. right, Jim Varney. God, respect to Jim Varney. And you know, what do seven year olds in 2000 love more than anything? It's Jim Varney. Jim Varney, <laughs> yeah, baby. And Hulk Hogan. Jim Varney and Ern- Hulk Hogan. Ernest oh, scared yeah, especially Ninja. in 1990. What is what year did that movie come like out? 95, 96, 98. Yeah. Oh boy. 98. Yeah. So uh, the the way that, that this, the way that this, what is whatever the word for four in a whatever a four movie trilogy is, uh, you have the three ninjas movie that we're talking about a quadrology. Uh, you I'm have sorry. The, yes. High noon at Mega Mountain is the number one fifth is and the bo- IMDb bottom two one hundred at fifty one. Uh, that's just wow. the last thing I want to say. So it must be, uh, these sequels are, uh, you have three ninjas knuckle up, which is just such a scary name for it, for, a, for anything. <laughs> I'm so scared of anything called knuckle up. Uh, literally so it's, it's like you're assembling your knuckles on your hands or, you know, something even scarier than that. Uh, then you have three ninjas kick back, which again, haven't seen any of these, but that sounds pretty dope. And then you have, uh, three ninjas high noon at mega mountain, which is the one that Chris is familiar with. 
I was never familiar with any of these. I literally had never heard of Three Ninjas before, and that's kind of the whole thing that sparked this. Is I was like, man, there's got to be kids' movies out there that like I just have never been privy to, and Mason's never been privy to, and wanted to. Bring oh, but them. I've seen Three Ninjas. No, no, no. But I'm just saying they're like there had to have been other kids' oh, movies out there, I see. just okay. in general, okay. that like I had like never heard of or whatever. No one had ever heard of that like completely flew under the radar, and that's kind of what kicked this whole episode off. So this was a brand new, fresh watch to me, and the only thing I could think uh, that while I was watching this, especially in the beginning, uh, was damn, Home Alone must have been a huge movie because this oh, whole episode yeah. is just the fun like robber breaking in. To home like to Macaulay Culkin's house in Home Alone, but for the entire movie, basically, it's like that energy. Yeah. So you could you could feel the cocaineed out energy of an executive being like, "We need a Home Alone yes. of our own." <laughs> Just like that's all this movie kind of is. It is like the 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 like what's it called? Like the the tagline. It's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles plus Home Alone, and that's literally how they pitched oh it. I'm sure God. in the boardroom in a very cynical kind of way. And Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson were in the back, like snorting coke off each other's like bald ass heads. Like, yeah, this is gonna work. This is gonna work. This is gonna be great. This is gonna be work. Yep. Yes, 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 Dude, yes, yes. Don Simpson yeah. literally, like, you know, that guy. Like, talk about a guy who cocaine literally killed him. Like, I know cocaine kills everybody who ultimately it kills, but like, uh, it really killed Don Simpson. He's going strong. Arguably, Don it made Simpson him stronger. Also- <laughs> Don Simpson also was on basically every single drug known to man and had like five different doctors just so that he could be on every single drug known to man and had like collagen injections. And Can just I just say, when are we going to oh, say it? God. It's time to bring that culture back to Hollywood. It's time <laughs> for everyone in Hollywood the to be on several it. different drugs really at once it. and just like pissed off and fucking each other. And the, everything now, it's... Think, yeah, think it, about Saturday Night Live in the 70s versus Saturday Night Live now. Everyone's equally sad and upset. At least the other ones are, like, doing drugs and doing crazy stuff and making interesting stuff and not just, like, nervously yeah. doing two, Depressed. like, milquetoast jokes about politics and then going off I mean, the thing is, uh, back in the day, people were addicted to normal things like uh, drugs and having <laughs> sex and uh, all that mm. other stuff. And now people are just addicted to work. Yeah, yeah. Now people are addicted to posting. Am I right, guys? That's the other thing. That's the other thing. (laughs) I'm addicted (laughs) to the retweets. Is there methadone for reblog? <laughs> oh, oh no. So scary. Awful. Yeah, I think that we should all try a different drug, come back here in about three days, and just let everyone know what that was like. And then we'll just try them all out. It'll be like a subscription service. You know, we at everything drugs. now try to foster a sort of energy that uh, is reminiscent of that. So we'll all be doing various drugs before Absolutely. and after yeah. during the show. Uh, we try to keep different drugs each week to sort of just keep it fresh yeah and the hostility thing i think is your guys's number one tenant i've tried as someone who's done the show i can tell you the hostility thing is real certainly folks. when, everything you when noah's around and like, alex and i like get that? really aggressive and angry towards him and really make him <laughs> uncomfortable and nervous about his performance and his creativity in general and it works. So moving on to uh, <laughs> so the very real thing that Chris just said. Um, this, I could have sworn they shot this movie in the same neighborhood as E.T. Like it looks the exact same. It's not. I'll do you one better. I, I think this. they shot. I think that the three ninjas themselves lived in the house from safe. Oh, jeez, that's crazy. Holy shit. Dude, the house in Safe is cool. I'm just like, that movie's scary. No, it is. That's a cool house. I would love to live in that house. house. 
I would love to live in the house from safe, even with the, the you know, the quote-unquote incorrect couch that she gets. That, like, is it the pitch-black couch in the middle of that, like, pastel living room or is it the other way around i don't know i didn't think we'd be talking about todd haynes is safe while we're talking about three <laughs> yeah movies. they are companion <laughs> pieces I'm, in a way i'm very pleased yeah another like movie that we another thing that we're talking about today besides meadow soprano's room the room oh, in this movie God. is awesome i love their room are you kidding me the bad guys say as much as they wander in man yeah. it's a hell of a room the nintendo the all right, well i mean that, actually that system makes to zero sense like there isn't even a string yes. it's just a, it's a can attached to yes. what is like a There's microphone no arm and then somehow no. through technology that's never explained, <laughs> it's it's linked to his crush's bedroom, cans. like I guess across the street or next door. But it, they don't explain that technology at all. That and yes. the mom detector, or I guess the just like person coming to the room detector where the red light and flashing sound comes, yeah. presumably when somebody is, I don't know, walking down the hallway, maybe not even on their way to the room. Uh, oh, yeah. That is awesome. It really struck me in this as a first time watcher of this, how much of a fucking terrible actor the lead bad guy is. Like I was just what? so I thought he was awesome. Maybe David Byrne. By how much of a shit. No, I thought he was pretty cool. Snyder. 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 Yeah, Rand Kingsley. That was my note, honestly, is it was like when I when that guy was really chewing out his like lackey in their little boardroom. Uh one I love a a bad guy and his whole gimmick is he is um the world's greatest fighter and also incredibly stupid. Like, this movie yes. is so contrived with, um... <laughs> he knows who these kids are, he knows where his enemy lives, and just does not have the energy or the ability to take care of this himself. And, <laughs> like... Yeah. Like, hires fucking, like, Jerry Horn from Twin Peaks to hire, like, three 26-year-old, like... God, you're right. Yeah, he looks exactly like Jerry Horn from Twin Peaks. It was throwing me off the Does. whole movie. Yeah. Um... And then he uh, hires like three twenty-eight-year-old like, like surfer his guys. Nephews, yeah, his nephew at least. Fester, the main one, is the Jerry Horn guy's nephew or something. Because at the end, he says uncle when he's like asking to get paid or whatever. <laughs> Interesting. But yeah, these fucking surfer stoner weirdos who well, it's funny, really do say, steal the movie for yeah, me. They are the I was saying to Chris when we were watching <laughs> it, like, they are the it's three funny ninjas. That when I watched this movie as a kid, obviously yeah. I, you identify with the ninjas. And then now watching it as a 25-year-old stoner, I yeah. much more identify and sympathize with these poor like schmucks who get roped in, you know, <laughs> these dumb idiots who really like didn't do anything wrong. They like kind of they seem to like really like the kids and like don't you know, had they not no. been paid to do this I mean, I guess they're sticking up a store at the beginning, so they're not you know, they, that's their like original sin. Yeah, they are career criminals, but they're so dopey they're that it's they're, like, they're you career criminals yeah. when the kids well, are think... literally like beating the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah. Just destroying yeah. them. Relentless. They have no fucking recourse no. whatsoever. And destroying I think what's also special is that is that they like each other. They're like a really weird, dumb, goofy unit that just like, they're bros. They, 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 they enjoy this being This is what they'd together. be doing and if they weren't better. working. They'd still be fucking getting They're like trouble. a grown you version like, of Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Just like, running yeah, just like... exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, perfect. Totally. Yes. Yes. I bet that's how they pitched it, too. They were like, yes, yeah, so there's going to be this show in a couple of years called <laughs> Ed, Ed and Eddie, and that's the, the grown-up version of that. Um, the only thing I could think during the moment where they find who is it in the closet that they find was it the babysitter 
The yeah. babysitter, yeah. Yeah, the baby, the scary babysitter who doesn't speak except for in these like weird lines. The and only thing that I could yeah. think in that moment was he's right behind me, isn't he? <laughs> when they come up yeah. behind him. Yeah, they literally do that I was shit. literally like, yeah. damn, where is Billy Crystal when you need him? That is one of my like favorite all-time like just shitty jokes to just throw in the joke. He's right behind me, isn't he? And I just could not think of anything else during that moment. But the babysitter, scary as hell. You're 100% right about that. It's like... It's sure. like it's like if the characters that Robin Williams was <laughs> pretending to be over the phone and Mrs. Doubtfire like came to life and like had the Harmony Corinne yeah. version of Mrs. Doubtfire. Exactly right. So scary. And speaking of like just the like crazy characters in the movie, the grandpa, yeah, that guy cool. is awesome. I love the grandpa. Victor Wong. I love I love our Japanese yeah, grandpa. Yeah, that was awesome. Was our Japanese grandpa is <laughs> great. Yeah, or yeah, when the mom's uh, like, well, that's the part of me that's, that's half my Asian or half Japanese. <laughs> that's yeah. my Asian side. Yeah, yeah that's no, true. Is she, yeah. Said is that's she supposed Asian to be side. blood in this film? There's no fucking way she's yeah, blood. Yeah, that's the Italian other part that was no, so it's, funny. It's, it's the step or whatever. These are kids are like a quarter Japanese and they got like th- three of the most lily white looking fucking yeah, valley kids they could. Yeah, shit. just Hitler youth kids. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Tum Tum with his stupid fucking bowl cut and his Tum Tum, whose oh character's God. name oh, is Michael. Douglas. That's his character's name. That yeah. is his actual name. <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool. Speaking of uh, Tum Tum, I think these are the these are the three I wrote. I literally had to like pause the movie at certain points and write down these lines verbatim because the, I think these are my three favorite lines. <laughs> the whole script is just like insanely quotable like just from like an insane degree these are the three that stood out to me so colt says i'm colt because i'm fast he's rocky because he's solid and he's tum tum because he'll eat anything and then tum tum just flatly comes back with i won't eat dog poop (laughs) not dog poop I wrote that down as well, Noah. Love that. That is just like so like little kid logic of like, I'm about to fucking own his ass. Like, no, no, no. I'm not going to eat dog poop, you (laughs) stupid bitch. It's awesome. Uh, Another line that I really, really liked uh, are, it just like, it like kind of sums up to me the like spirit of the film. If you wanted to like sum up the film in one line, it's there like, I think it's right at the end when they're like about to take on all the bad guys in the climax of the film. And they say, we should run. We should hide. We should kick their butts. Like, that's like the kid power yes. thing yeah. you were alluding to, Jake. Like, of just, I have control over Yeah, adults, that theme is definitely incredible. is pervasive through the whole movie. Just yeah, like, I, the, the, the credit song is literally just kid power. I'm just saying kid power over and over again. Oh in case my fucking that God, that song, and I agree. There, there are those quotable lines that are just like so contrived and silly. But then there are some other lines that are gen- that genuinely got me to laugh. Like when... During the break-in scene, when uh, yes. right before Colt runs into the into the like I guess room that's under renovation that's all white white tarp, um, and he's like, "Hey, <laughs> sure. robbers, come to get me!" And yeah. the one of the dudes is like, "Robbers? I thought we were kidnappers." <laughs> that, <laughs> that really got me. They get a lot of good lines. They they yeah, they're they're written from a very fun tonal perspective. Like they kind of get the campiness of the movie. Uh, another um, line of dialogue I wrote down was, I teach ninja, not murder. <laughs> That's just so good. That's just so good. I was shocked to hear this line in the film, and I'm going to say 
the line in its full what it is just because I was shocked to hear this word. But literally, I think at one point, Rocky says to Emily over the phone, my brothers are retarded. And it is crazy to like hear that word in a kid's movie nonetheless, knowing how like that word is just so socially unacceptable in 2020. I was shocked. No, that really, way, I guess. Yeah, that really, that took, that took me, uh, when that line happened in the movie, I was just like, it was just like, oh, wait, what the fuck? It, that really took me out. Um, uh, I also <laughs> had that line wrote down to, uh, Noah, and I'm glad that you, uh, bit the bullet for the pod and said that line. I jumped in front of a loud. fucking train for this podcast, Mason, so you don't think <laughs> this is no skin off my fucking back. You jumped in front of the train arriving at the station for this oh, podcast, man. Oh, really damn. Anyone got any, like, final uh, – not final thoughts, but just, like, any other, like, real thoughts about this movie that hasn't been said yet? Uh, I feel like there's, like, one, a lot to say and, like, a not a lot to say. Yeah, Mason? Yeah, here's one uh, note I wrote down. Cool guy karate elbows the nukes. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, I think I wrote that down when <laughs> Snyder, the bad guy, uh, elbowed a crate yeah. and there were nukes <laughs> okay. in there. Yeah. Uh, I remember that. Which is how you know he's a cool guy. I also, my note right above yeah. that is um, American Hustle, because there's the guy doing brown faces, the yes, cheek, trying the same to thing. do the, <laughs> um, get the nukes out. And then and then when he breaks character, he's doing like a Groucho Marx impression or something. Yeah, like a very, it's very quick Groucho. It's a, very strange. He's not a very uh, good undercover agent. Like, this guy is not up to snuff with like, like Gotcha Snyder. Or something. Nowhere to go, Snyder. Oh, yeah. that I thought yeah. that was going to be another, like, uh oh, problematic, like, part of it where they're, like, really going to have, face. like, a white dude in, like, ethnic brown face. Yeah, but then. It was weird that, like, my initial reaction was like, oh, he's an FBI agent, so yeah. it's okay that he's doing that. That was, that was brown face for good. Reaction. Oh, he's a cop, yeah, it's fine. Exactly. <laughs> he's using his evil yeah. for good, but I'm still like, damn, that's crazy that they still, like, threw someone into brown face for the sake of, like, justice, so to speak. <laughs> still crazy it's crazy how it how it has um, aged weirdly in that way even though it is 1992 yeah. which was what 28 years ago 95 95 25 years ago uh there were a lot of, of plot related yeah. things that i, I feel like uh, i completely I flew over my head i didn't care or notice when i was a kid because obviously when you're a kid it's just like skip to the scenes where it's kids beating up grown adults but the Two things yeah, that action. I noticed on this yeah. rewatch. Oh, yeah. One, yeah. one is that there's this moment at the at the very beginning, and it's foreshadowing. So if you hadn't seen the movie yet, you probably didn't even notice it. But there's uh, a part where Colt is they're making dinner, like right after that that first training montage, and and Colt has a photo, and he's like, "Grandpa, who is this? Who is this?" And Grandpa's just like, "Whatever." And Colt is like, "No, who is this <laughs> hand on your shoulder?" And I'm like, and watching that who now, I'm like, what this? the fuck is that question? Like, who cares? Like, if you're a kid, if you're a kid and you see a photo of your grandpa, <laughs> there's just a an anonymous hand on a shoulder. Like, why do you give a shit? Like, first of all, how did you even notice that? And then why do you care that there's just this this hand that is not connected to anything? Like, what that made no sense to me. And then just more broadly, the entire subplot of of Snyder and like his plot is so ambiguous. It's just like you get a little bit when Snyder comes yeah. to the grandpa's house and is like, we work together and like you split off from our business of, I guess, creating like a multi-million dollar dojo company, like where he like, I guess Snyder, Snyder like 
You get, it's, it's not really specific, but you get the idea that like Snyder somehow like opened up a series of dojos to make money where the grandpa decided to take like the noble route, I guess. They don't explain that. But then it, what's even less explained is like how Snyder then from that becomes involved in, I guess, like black market <laughs> nuclear arms dealing. And he's got he's got he's got this unmarked like tanker ship full of like alt-right super soldier white guy ninjas who are just like training for who knows what day in and day out like to defend i guess like a battleship it's really unclear like what snyder is up to in the movie other than being a general bad guy for the kids to eventually fight it's a great point it's like he doesn't really serve any other purpose other than just to be your stock bad guy and that's like pretty much exactly what he is but it's just so funny to me how just such like he's such a bad actor that actor is just like just dog shit like it's insane like he just is not convincing me at all but i'm like okay yeah he's a bad guy i'm I'm putting up i'm picking up what you're putting down bro like okay (laughs) he's scary he yells a lot it's just so funny talk through your teeth thing that like your mom would do at you when you're when you were in trouble like when she's really mad like that you were listening to me like that kind of thing he does that uh but yeah Terrible acting. Sure, I think yeah. it was just like that passable acting for like a kid, where it's like if you yell and you and you physically grab people and you're tall, you're scary. Yes. Yeah, it's it's what he represents. He's the imposing evil adult in more so than in a way. It's allegorical for you know and the that man. Maroon, you know, that maroon <laughs> gi that he wears um, at the end is fucking Joseph sick. Joseph Campbell's that, three like, ninjas. That maroon like uh, ninja outfit that he has for the final fight scene with the grandpa at the end. That is dope. Yes. I love that thing. I w- yeah. I want to wear that. Like the the stunt choreography slash like fight choreography in this movie, like I was saying at the beginning, it's, it's fun. It's something. It's, good. it's yeah. something, man. Yeah, especially the stuff where it's obviously the kids like participating with it, where it's like you can you kind of want to watch the other actors being like graceful co performers to the children, but like letting them get their hits and make them look good. It's kind of like wrestling, you know, where it's like you want to make your opponent look good by making all these hits look really effective. So like all the ninjas near the end of the movie are just like hamming it up, really flying around and like, like doing these really crazy screams and like knocking their head against stuff. It's really, really fun to watch. That was the part that I liked the most is when I was a kid. So I didn't get a chance to say (sighs) Noah, my, my history with this movie. Sorry. Uh, I, I had only seen this movie. I feel once before when I was like hanging out with my buddy, Greg and he was in karate, and they just had this in the background oh, yeah. at, like, the dojo or whatever. And I was really into the movie. I liked watching the kids fight. I was in, like, sixth grade, I think, at the time. I was the perfect age bracket for this. Yeah. And I really liked watching the, the, the uh, ninjas uh, beat the beat up these guys. It was a cool movie. The guys would go flipping, you know, this, that, the other thing. I was enjoying it. And then, like, the karate instructor or whatever is this fucking, like, just this, like, Midwest, like, kind of... 35-year-old, 40-year-old guy coming he's going, oh, our fucking white belts are better than that. Oh, our fucking yellow belts are better than that at the entire movie. I'm like, you are really being such a fucking wet blanket right now, dude. I'm. Are you trying to tell me that when they pick up their younger brother and ram him head first into the stomach of an adult man, that's not real karate? (laughs) I don't know what to tell him. Sometimes people think movies are real. Uh, And then the only other time I watched it was for this podcast after I learned what uh, racism was. And it was, oh boy, this is an experience. (laughs) Yeah. Jake, who is your Mercedes Valuable player in Three Ninjas? Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, know. lot to choose from. I <laughs> would say my Mercedes valuable player brought to you by Sprite would probably be uh, the. I want to almost give it to like the stoner kidnapping crew as like as a threesome. Yeah, yeah like you can they do that. they you all brought it. I think like they are yeah. so silly and just that whole sequence of the home invasion. I mean, like obviously. Home Alone is the iconic home invasion scene, but I would argue that like the gags and stuff, I mean, maybe it's just yeah. because, and Home Alone is violent for sure. Like, you know, you have the setting somebody's hair on fire and stepping on the nail, et cetera. But like, they almost kill these guys in this movie. Like they, yeah. they hang that one totally. guy. It's fucking uh, sadistic. They... So like yeah. the creativity, I think it's in uncomfortable, that, in that sequence of. of like the spray painting, the, the, face mask white and hiding in the all white room and then the jelly beans and the CDs and the laxatives and the like, it's just this like hit after hit after hit. Um, (laughs) That whole sequence is fun. And those characters, those like stoner surfer bros sell that whole thing really well. Rocky, how about you? Who's your Mercedes valuable player brought to you by Sprite? Yeah, man. I might go to Fester and his crew. I mean, like I just fully enjoyed anytime they're on screen. Their dialogue is so kind of knowing but also just the right amount of campy um i mean shout out to the, to the actual rocky in this movie yeah. also <laughs> that did wonders for me as a child that was very helpful um i, I still to this day will get random people when I, when I say my name like if i'm like getting food or like you know placing an order somewhere they will, like someone sometimes rocky. people will say like emily. rocky loves emily and that 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 is that is persisted man that 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 is stuck in the pop culture lexicon somehow um grandpa's pretty great uh gotta give it to him uh also but yeah i think the three guys uh two of which the one who is not the ones who are not fester the actors names wow. are race nelson and dj harder <laughs> damn no they are not that's amazing yeah i can't tell which one's the asian surfer dude but i respect him uh, you think the cold. surfer dudes from this ever met up with the surfer dudes from orange county <laughs> or do you think their paths other? never crossed yeah, yes they yes and they, and they all just had big Gay sex. Oh yes. Okay. So one other moment oh, yeah. that Go I really loved, just before uh, Chris, in, uh, another just like quick gag yes. that I thought was great is when the, the when the surfer guys are parked outside of the yes. house, like they're casing the house, and uh, the FBI are all there, and one of them's like, yeah. "I think those guys might be the feds," and it cuts to them, and it's just a bunch of guys walking around with jackets labeled FBI in huge letters, like that. <laughs> made me really. Laugh. That was a great gag. Yeah. It's a good one. Chris, who do you, who gets your Michael Tum Tum Douglas? Mm. I thought he was cute. I I like when they were trying to wake him up in the morning and then he wouldn't wake up until they tried to touch his candy and then he woke up. I thought you got a funny guy right there. (laughs) You got got a real funny guy. (laughs) He's not going to be my Mercedes valuable player, but I was pleasantly surprised with like how good of an actor uh, Chad (laughs) Power, his name was literally Chad Power. Chad Power was as uh michael tumtum douglas uh who is your actual mercedes valuable player then mason you know you're gonna get so mad at me noah but i think i'm gonna give mine to rand king i was i almost did no come on (laughs) (laughs) you guys Um, you think he's a bad actor but i think i don't i wouldn't I'm not as interested in seeing him in a movie that is not a kid's movie you know what i'm saying like sure he is well, he had never acted again, guy. so... Yeah, his letterbox is literally just and three... And so are the two one-and-done performances. And when you Google Rand Kingsley, you get a picture of Ben Kingsley. 
Interesting, yeah. Interesting. I I looked it up, and one of the thugs is is a camera operator, wow, like a B team camera operator, on IMDb. More so than an act, he has two acting credits. It's one of these is them, and then the rest of them are That's all camera cool. and electrical department. It's the guy weird. that played Fester is known for Heather's, where he played Ram, Three Ninjas. Fester, he was on a couple yes. episodes of Jag. It looks like, and also uh, Mark Harmon's Summer School. Not familiar with that movie, but the poster is Mark Harmon in a uh, Hawaiian shirt, and there's a happy-looking dog in a lay <laughs> there, too. Uh, but no, but Rand Kingsley. I wrote down oh, that he was, nice. like, uh, in my notes, when he came on screen, I wrote fake Seagal, like fake Stephen Seagal. Yes, very um, good. That is the energy that that guy is bringing. Um, but, and you know what? I thought it was perfect for this movie. I thought that uh, you need a really convincing just to make a movie like this work you need a convincing bad guy you need someone to play a a, like not gonna be too pretentious about it just a tough sort of jerk asshole this snyder fella nothing too deep as the sort of the the opposite side of the Catherine o'hara mercedes valuable player from earlier in the show uh nothing too deep about this guy just needs to be played very menacingly very kind of surface level and i thought he did a pretty good job at that and then he uh did nothing else in the movies afterwards so at least we had this. Uh, so that's why Rand Kingsley is my Mercedes Valuable player. Noah Chef, who is your MV Mercedes Valuable player? Yeah, it's kind of like when like when one – it's like the Peyton Hillis. Peyton Hillis had one amazing season in the NFL, was on the cover of Madden, and then literally was out of the league. That's, that's, that, that is Rand oh, totally. Kingsley in a oh, nutshell. Yeah. Um, my – I was going to give it to Grandpa. I was going to give it to him. But I think I have to give my Mercedes Valuable player to the stunt-slash-fight coordinator uh, of this film because I genuinely did enjoy uh, watching these fights-slash-stunts occur. Like, it genuinely is probably my favorite part of watching this is just, like, watching some kids kick ass and, like, use the environment. I love when people use their, like, environments creatively. Like, I love in video games when, like, environments are destructible and stuff like that. And, like, you really can tell that, like time and care was put into that and that was like something they actually thought about so the fight i don't have their uh their name in front of me unfortunately i probably uh should have done that uh before the show started but uh i will look into that here in just a sec but they are my mercedes valuable player uh uh, uh presented by sprite presented by drake speaking of the stunts and the action plan. in this movie one uh, other scene i want to just bring attention to is that great basketball yes uh sequence and especially the beginning yes. the line where he says we'll play to 10 oh, and oh, yeah. we'll spot yes. you nine is just that when you're a little kid and you hear that of just like oh my god they're spotting them nine points in a 10 point game this, that is the hypest cool <laughs> cool guy shit uh, uh, i believe the guy whose name you're looking for noah is rick avery yes i'm looking at it right now he was the uh stunt coordinator and then monty cox who's uh Credited as Lamont Cox was the second stunt coordinator. So though my Rick Avery and Monty Cox are my uh, Mercedes valuable players. Mason, would you yes. recommend Three Ninjas? It's a tough one. <laughs> uh, it's a tough one for me. I don't know. I feel like it is a. It is almost a 1995 movie in just the wrong amount of ways you know what i'm saying like the sure. um 
it's it's so weird to watch this movie about three ninjas and their Japanese grandpa, and they're they are three like white kids, even though they like kind of retcon it that they're like a quarter Japanese or something. I don't know. It just seemed like a a, a it, that was a difficult thing when I was watching it. I was like, okay, it just because I couldn't watch it in any other context other than the current context. So I was like, oh shit. And then there's only one black kid in the movie, and he steals the fucking bike, and they have to punch him in the face, and he plays basketball or whatever. Uh, and that was another thing. And then there was the, the, the R word line that Noah said earlier. And I was just like, Oh Jesus Christ. Like, I don't know on the whole how I feel about this movie. I think it's a similar thing to my sort of like Tommy boy recommendation where it's like, if you can watch clips of these kids fighting on YouTube, like just the fight scenes, um, that's a pretty fun, uh, I would, that's a, that would be a pretty fun, like way to spend your time. I think. On the whole, I just could kind of take or leave. Um, didn't really gel as well as I'd like. So, and I also don't have that deep of an emotional connection to it. So, I think I'm just gonna say, watch some clips on YouTube. But I, I don't think I recommend this one, honestly. That is the the very rare YouTube it recommendation. Uh, yep. Chris, um, you recommend this one? <laughs> nah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, epic. <laughs> Rocky? Uh, conditional yes. Um, I'd say get get uh, get drunk or high with some friends and watch it, talk over it, sure. laugh at some of the most ridiculous stuff. There's a, there's a camp quality to it that's very charming, um, especially because it is quaint with all of its weird anachronisms of <laughs> some subtle racism and whatnot. And also, this is feels, I don't know, like a, a weird random point, but like if these were three Asian American kids, I'm sure this movie would have been fucking gangbusters for me. <laughs> I never stopped talking about it as a child. Um, it would have been nice, but uh, even though I'm not Japanese, I am Filipino. But uh, yeah, con- conditional recommend uh, for sure. And also uh, just one last comment I, I wanted to bring up. Uh, this movie was made on a wow. 2.5 million budget and made that $29 million. Money in the pocket there. I was wa- I was wondering how they made four or three of these things, but it makes total sense. This thing really fucking did wonders. Well, it's, it was a Disney. It's movie interesting too, when so, you yeah, say that too, and uh, because most of the movie takes place either in the house, uh, like in a house of some kind, or like on a basketball court. Or in, Very yeah, rarely or yeah. are you not Maybe inside of a house. Seems like part of it is like or a the warehouse. Boat. There are scenes in the boat where it's like we are clearly not in a boat anymore. Like now we're. Now we're in like a garage. Oh like, that scene with the scary ninja, the really scary ninja them. who licks his sword, like that. Now we're in just like some like chop shop. Like this is yeah. there's like a chain link faint. There's like a chain link. Yeah, fence it's in Mortal here. Kombat. Like, where, where are we? But to your point, it is like all indoor and like pretty like easy to get spaces. Yeah. Totally. It would, it would seem like a very, it would seem maybe on the surface, maybe not cost effective, but anyway, 2.5 mil back in the day, who knows exactly what that's worth now. But I, I could see that actually exactly. now knowing exactly yeah. where you're filming, but uh, we'll get to Jake. We'll have Jake sort of round us off here after I say that I don't recommend three ninjas, <laughs> uh, but I do think that it could be fun to watch with a group of friends like Rocky was saying, but in the context of me sitting alone in my basement, uh, in the suburbs of Portland, Oregon, uh, watching this in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, can't recommend that, but maybe get some friends together. It does have that like fun, like let's just put on something that's fun that we can like do riffing over. So, uh, that's probably your best bet for this one. But Jake, uh, the man who started it all, 
do you recommend this movie? Uh, I agree with the sentiment that, like, unless you watch this movie a lot as a kid and you can get some nostalgia value from it, you will not. I can confidently say you will not enjoy watching this movie. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's like problematic. The pacing is weird. Not the jokes are not really that funny. The performances are all pretty bad. But there is just that nostalgia factor, and also like there is that sort of slice of lifiness of like if you want to remember what like this kids movie vibe of like the '90s is like, this is a very distilled yeah. version of that like kid powery kind of like extreme sports genre of of movie and so like for that reason i think there is like a a lot of people our age could go back to this and like you said like shit on it with your friends like while you're getting drunk uh but other than that yeah for unironic entertainment purposes uh yeah it's dear clear (laughs) it's dear clear uh well we made it to the end of the fucking episode this is a long one ladies and gentlemen it's almost as if griffin newman was in the studio with us and we just kept fucking talking but i want to thank you, Rocky, thank you, Chris, thank you, Jake, on behalf of everybody here at It's On The List Incorporated for coming on the show, with giving us your time, giving us these movies. Uh, is there anything that anybody wants to plug before we sign off and go to bed? Other than everything now, every Wednesday and Sunday at uh, 8 p.m. Pacific, um, uh, Mary Magazine invited the Everything Now crew to do a uh, Diamond the Jukebox event this Friday. Um, I don't know if this is going to air before, after that. Probably. I don't know if it'll be up. Well, there then, you but... go. So <laughs> yeah, then just sorry. watch everything now every Wednesday and Sunday at 8 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. on Sundays for a pre-show. Chris or Jake, anything yeah, else I to just add to that plug? One more time, just quickly shout out the cool, refreshing taste of Sprite. Oh, oh uh, shit! I mean, it's crisp. Lime. It's yeah. refreshing, and it goes <laughs> oh, down it's smooth. Green. <laughs> And yeah, everything now show every Sunday and Wednesday night. Me, Rocky, and Chris, and some other people make it. It's great. Noah's on it sometimes, and you should watch it. I, we, it's, it must have been plugged uh, on all of our episodes individually. So you, you all so many times. You know yeah. what it is. You can follow this show on Instagram if you want. It's on underscore the list. You can follow us on Twitter at it's on the list pod. If you want to email the show, you can email us at everybody wants to number two, get on the list at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook. It's on the list with Noah and Mason or facebook.com slash everybody wants to number two, get on the list. My dumbass recommendo this week. Oh, I didn't plug my own shit. I'll do that first. You can follow me on Twitter at Moa Narger. You can letterbox Moa Narger. You can follow YLG if you want to see some comedy stuff. Don't know when we'll be posting anything. If we ever will post anything ever again, it's uh, not up to me at this point. Sorry. (laughs) Um, You will be uh, listening to my podcast as well. My favorite podcast. We just recorded an episode with Chris uh, literally mere hours ago uh, on the day of this recording about hockey and the New York Rangers specifically. We had a great conversation. I think so, Chris. What do you think? That's right. I would say great. I would say it was a great conversation, but yeah, I would say great. No worries. Uh, But yeah, my little recommendo this week is uh, taking a walk is nice. Mason, (laughs) bring us home. 
Uh, this week, folks, uh, justicelanow.org, uh, Justice LA, they're a LA-based organization that does a lot of, uh, three times a week you will get a text message or a call, whatever you can get set up for, and they will tell you what actions you can take in your local community to make sure that cool stuff like defunding jails and defunding the police and, uh, all this other stuff, they will text you so that you can submit public comments to make your voice heard. Uh, that is my social sort of justice, I guess, recommendo for the week. Uh, following up, piggybacking on Noah's recommendo, I just had a big uh, bowl of uh, Ben & Jerry's strawberry cheesecake ice cream. Best Very good. Flavor. That's how Love I would. That That's my recommendo this week. Great flavor. Uh, follow me on Instagram at hotdogtobicky at goodsky, T-O-N-I-T-E, on Letterboxd, my name, Mason McGuire. Listen to my other podcast, The Barna Podcast, about The Shield. And uh, if you see me on the streets of Chicago, uh, let's get some Ben and Jerry's in, I guess. Uh, other than that, I have nothing else I really want to plug So I hope y'all have a good night. Boys, Beach Boys, thanks for coming on the pod. Uh, for our strongest, longest episode yet. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you all. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. matter. That is one of these movie formulas that I feel like Disney has has done a lot, which is the, the one... Really talented, Chris. What's going on there, man? I, I was just gonna. I don't want to interrupt you. Yeah, what's going on, what are you straight up move, Chris? What are you doing? From his <laughs> bedroom recording studio. Are you coming to my room? We fine. just see his torso right now, and he is. What's going on? A lot of grunting couch. noises. This <laughs> is like... so not cool. What's going on? Oh, I need this charger. I guess. Oh, fuck is that? Damn. Bro, all right. Oh my god. Yeah, all right. Well, well, Chris figures whatever he's doing out. Jake, I'm sorry. Continue with what you were saying. Oh Jesus. Um, it, it's this formula. There, there's, there's two. I think really pervasive Disney kids movie formulas.